FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. The listeners of this podcast are its main driving force. If you would like to support FGC Hollywood, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash forward FGC Hollywood, as well as leaving us nice reviews on Apple Podcasts. So without further ado, enjoy the show. FGC Hollywood, stay classy. My first clap is always not very good. That's the test clap. Yeah. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode, episode four of FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast. I am Max Spicer. I'm joined, as always, by Pringle the One. Pringle, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. You know, I came from my, uh, dude, I went to a run, I went from my running, man. <laughs> I, I should have drank a lot more water, had some Mexican food, and I definitely, woo. Like, it's one of those times you have that mix when you're like, oh, oh dude. man, <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I had to use the bathroom multiple times, man. It was, uh, it was weirdly enough, it was a hard run, man. Like, it wasn't supposed to be, but like, I think in the beginning, I'm doing better with the run, but it was like, it was kind of hard, man. Mm-hmm. Definitely should have drank more water. Yeah, agua is good, especially after Mexican food. That dries you up, man. Mm-hmm. It really does. It's something to do with all that sodium. I swear, man. It's like pizza, dude. Mm-hmm. Whenever I eat pizza, I'm like, oh, I'm so thirsty. Yeah, it just. <laughs> That, that'll do it to you for sure. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, so let's get this out of the way. So obviously we're recording this on September 29th, 2020, which is not usually when we were supposed to record. We're supposed to record this later towards the week. What day is it today? Wednesday? Tuesday? I don't even know. It is Tuesday. Yeah, yeah it is Tuesday. Tuesday. Tomorrow's trash day for me, so I should know that. But <laughs> yeah, we're recording this midweek because I randomly got a text, I think, I don't know, yesterday or Monday from my dad, who's right now, he's in South Florida, and he wants me to come down to Fort Lauderdale because my grandparents live there and they're having their 60th anniversary, like marriage anniversary. So they've been together for 60 years, which is quite a milestone. So we're going to go down there and we're going to go hang out. So we can uh, have some good times down there in South Florida. So that's why we're recording this podcast a little earlier. But the good news is, as you can tell by the show notes, and hopefully the people who listen to this, uh, we got I think we got a really good show compiled up. But we had some cool things happen over the last weekend. And then we still have those questions that, that I rolled back <laughs> from last week into this week. <laughs> Hit the rollback, man. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited for the show. I think it's going to be a good show, despite the fact that it's a little earlier or rather recorded a little earlier in the week than normally. Yeah, so that's the first thing on the agenda. The second thing is, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but FGC Hollywood is turning a month old. Well, actually, we're, hey. we're a little older than a month old, but technically we're four episodes in now. So We're basically an infant. Yeah. We're, we're out of the womb, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's exciting. Also, just going by analytics and stats, I put it on Twitter too. So everything that's, when this show goes out, it goes out to YouTube and then all those other audio platforms, right? And mm-hmm. normally the the show, at least previously with the Max Plus podcast, it would hit a hundred listens lifetime if it was like a really good guest or if like the you know one of the subject was really interesting or wide for the FGC. But so far, we're three out of three, man. We've hit a hundred listens for every single episode of FGC hey. Hollywood. So it's quite a milestone. I think we're doing pretty good at least according to the feedback and again i i appreciate everybody who has given us feedback and please keep it coming we want to know how to improve the show we want to know what we're doing right what we're doing wrong and yeah we're we're only going to get better doing this show so i appreciate that but uh i don't know if you had any words that you want to say you know a month old or four episodes into the podcast uh how, how do you feel about this podcast so far it's been pretty fun man i'm uh i'm glad that it's been uh we still managed to keep it going you know that's how I- 
how do I say you want to relish in your small victories? So each week is like a victory. Mm-hmm. A week that means it's a week older. That means that we did a week worth of stuff. That means it's you know it's progressively going there and it it'll get better and get better and better. So you know that's like a small victory right there. Absolutely, yeah. And so far, right. I'm I'm really proud of what we've built here. Um, I'm really proud of this show so far, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited for the the rest of the the future, especially with this show. Mm-hmm. So, as always, we're going to start with get to know Hollywood or get to know your Hollywood question of the week. And this one, I think, is going to be interesting. I actually got this from a YouTube comment, but I rearranged the somewhat of the question because I don't think the person that asked this was from the United States or English was their first language. So it was a little hard to translate, but <laughs> <laughs> I I made it oh, a little man. bit more easily digestible as a question. So if you had to rank these uh, these characteristics in a fighting game, which order which you put them in. So I believe, is this one through five or one through four? But you can just you can just rank them. So from most important to least important, they all have to be in the fighting game that you're making, but you're just ranking the importance of them. So There's like six of them. Yeah. So right. the characteristics are unique characters, fun gameplay, appealing graphics or presentation, good netcode, and lastly, non-versus mode. So... Could be like challenge mode or training mode, everything that's not you versus somebody else. I think we can all agree that all of those characteristics are super important in fighting games, but yeah, man. <laughs> ranking them is a little difficult. Yeah, I, yeah, dude, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty important. I'd say, um, I guess maybe for starters would probably be like, um, ooh, man, that is actually hard. If we were talking about selling it, then it would be like graphics and presentation. Mm. As opposed to how it is now, but mm, I want to go with fun gameplay first, man. First and foremost, I think your game has to be fun, man. It, if it's not fun, you know, it's going to have trouble in the long run of things. And I think that's usually what they kind of design the games for first. They want to, but so, sometimes they've, I've seen what they do is that they'll design a game based around like the character or something like that. So, but I, I'd say probably fun gameplay. Then second would probably be good netcode, man. I'm a, I'm a netcode guy, mm. man. I, I'd almost even put netcode first because it's like, well, you know, right. I, I, it's like one of those things that we're, especially right now at this current situation, <laughs> Or where we don't have locals like that's that's gone, man. Your locals are like fossils over here. Yeah, it's, it's not gonna be a while, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I'd put maybe good netcode second. I'd put appealing graphics presentation probably third. But then it's like, ooh, so hard. It's such a hard one. I'm not gonna front. It's really <laughs> it is, hard because yeah. like I'm thinking in my head and I'm like, I want my graphics and presentation to be important. But like sometimes I feel like that's like such a low common denominator thing. But it's right. It's like what sells. The game like it's like you need good looking game or it'll be like no one will care about it because mm. then you have an mvci situation where the game is fun it's got good netcode but damn nobody want to play because it it's ugly yeah you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah dude so that's that's so hard you know what i'm saying but i would definitely i i think that probably graphics would probably be my third one unique characters probably fourth and i i, I know i'm putting the non-versus modes last but i will put those last mm. But I know those are pretty important because those are what generally get the general audience. But I want to put those last personally. But I know how important those are all really important. Like they are. Because, yeah, because like you can only play fighting games like a casual will only play a fighting game for a couple of hours with a friend and they'll get bored. But if there's some like really good 
single player content, that might be the defining factor or that shift that makes him be like, you know what? I do want to keep playing this game. So mm-hmm. personally for me, that's what I kind of go based off with my games, even in general. It's like, if it's not fun, I'm not playing it, man. Like it's, it's not going down. Like I'm not about to have no fun playing it. And then why am I playing it? Cause that's the going to be the question that goes through my head. So I got to have me some fun playing it. And I've played some pretty ugly ass <laughs> games, but I still have some fun, man. So yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think you and I have the same top two, right? Obviously, everyone, everybody wants to talk about netcode. And netcode, in theory, you would like it to be number one, but the game has to be fun first. Mm-hmm. What's the point of playing good online if the game itself isn't fun? So I think <laughs> I think we can yeah. agree that fun, I, would, I would rank fun gameplay at number one. Number two, yes, I would put good netcode. Because if the gameplay is fun and I can play it with my friends or with strangers online and it's just stable then those are those are two wins right there now you're getting a little bit into characteristics that are very specific to each player to player right so we have unique characters appealing graphics or presentation and non-versus modes if i'm talking what i want what max blyser wants in a fighting game i'll say i want unique characters a characters are such a big selling point for me in a fighting game they're not just functions no <laughs> no they're not not just functions man they're just functions to me no. yeah. <laughs> poor combo fiend you know you know some intern wrote yeah. that for him probably and he's like here just say this over oh, great probably <laughs> man probably and he tried to like be like well i mean think about it you just take magneto and he does the same thing he's a function man <laughs> man poor combo fiend they made him that sacrificial lamb over there bro they cooked that yeah they cooked his ass <laughs> off of that one but yeah, no, they're not just oh, functions. Yeah. They mean a lot to me. I, I think they're a, such a huge selling point for a fighting game if I'm interested in a fighting game. So unique characters are definitely number three for me. And then if you asked me this question five years ago, I would have said, yes, graphics presentation. I would like the mm. game to look really good. But the more I've played fighting games and the kind of the older or the more I matured with the FGC, it's just, it's not so important to me anymore. So I would say if you have cool, interesting non-versus modes, so if you have a, a cool challenge mode or a good arcade mode or a story mode, yeah, I think I would, honestly, I would put it ahead of graphics and presentation. Yeah, I want my game to look good, but man, people still playing Melty Blood. And I mean, that game looks fine, yeah. don't get me wrong, but like, that's not the selling point of that game, right? Like the Right. I think it's about having fun, being able to play it. And then if you get it to look nice, that's just an extra. But like you said, I wasn't thinking about this, honestly, when you started answering this question. I wasn't thinking about this from like a, a, a regular consumer. I was thinking of it for myself. I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? If I was a regular consumer, I think the order would be a little bit different. For all you know, yeah, good netcode would be last. Like, I mean. Yeah, dude, you wouldn't even know about that stuff. Yeah. So outside looking in, people be like, well, I got to have, you know, graphics and presentation. It's all about the pixels. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? <laughs> so. <laughs> it's all about the graphics, man. Yeah. I'm not about to buy a new console and not get 4K 120 frames per second. God damn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, before we get to the fighting game news, I just kind of want to piggyback off of what you just said. And we d- couldn't get to it, I think, either last week or the week before. But you just mentioned that the reason why we want good netcode and why we rank it so high is because who knows? Yeah. You know, who knows when we get back to... <laughs> Dude, <laughs> this is basically shown it. We could go through like a point in time where everything is fine. And then another pandemic hits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Phase three or phase two. I don't know what phase we're in, but yeah. I don't know if we're going to have tournaments in 2021. I think this is going to be a long 
thing that we're gonna have to deal with. It's gonna be a long ass year. Oh man, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be. I mean, we're getting close to October of 2020. I can't say I can't be super confident and say, oh yeah, by October 2021, I've I'll already have been to a couple tournaments or maybe I've gone to a local. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I honestly, I'm not very mm-hmm. confident to saying that that is going to be the case. So the reason why we're talking about this netcode is because we're not just talking about this year. We're talking about <laughs> the, just the near future and who knows how long this is going to take. Right? It's a pandemic, mm-hmm. so who knows? Yeah, and. I want to even say that, well, two things, really. We don't know. And even then, if stuff kind of gets situated in 2021, that still means that all those TOs that make those really big tournaments, they probably wouldn't have enough time to even set up or make some of those tournaments even happen Mm -hmm. because they have to plan so much in advance for all that stuff. That and good netcode makes your game last a lifetime, goddammit. Fightcade has proven that people still playing... Third Strike, Dark Stalkers, man, they're still playing anything they can touch on Fightcade. Good Netco will be your saving grace. Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a theme going into early next year. Yeah, you just touched on it, man. Like, it's so hard organizing a tournament, even when the conditions are right. Like, and when everything is going mm-hmm. well, it's hard to like, <laughs> just put a tournament together. Yeah, dude. But think of these factors. You have a pandemic where we don't know where everything lies. We're going through. I mean, I'm talking about this country, right? We're going to have maybe a new president. We don't know what's going to if there's going to be any changes to things like social distancing or whatever the the precautions are for this pandemic. We're going we're also going through a console generation change from the 8th to the 9th. So that's a, that's a kind of a wrench thrown in there for tournament organizers. And mm-hmm. there's just so much in the air. You don't know which companies are still available to work with you because of the pandemic. You don't know what the capacity is. There's just a lot going on. So 2021 is not like a given. It's like, oh, yeah, we're all good. It's going to be, be played by ear, unfortunately. And as much as I want to go play at whatever CEO or comp breaker, I'm okay with not doing so if it means everybody is safe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Netcode, netcode, netcode. And we're going to talk more about netcode soon. And I think it's actually one of the items on today's fighting game news of the week. But the first thing we got here is Virtual Fighter Cross Esports Project announced. I don't know if you follow TGS at all. I didn't really. I kind of uh, just followed Twitter. I didn't. It was any like I didn't really think it was. No, I haven't heard anything outside of Nier. So I was like, eh. no, T- <laughs> TGS this year wasn't great. I'm glad we didn't do predictions because they would have all been disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, yeah. RV, dude. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, on day two of TGS Online 2020, Sega announced the return of the classic 3D fighting game franchise, Virtua Fighter. The news came by way of a trailer shown during the online event showcasing various esports-inspired footage, ending with the face of the franchise, Akira Yuki, turning his head towards the camera right before fading to black. The official name of the project, or at this point in time, is Virtua or Virtua Fighter X Esports. Very interesting name. And no other details regarding this project have been divulged or confirmed. However, the official Sega Twitter page did release this statement following the announcement. Quote. The gold standard of gaming is finally back in esports. Announcing the Virtua Fighter Cross Esports project, Virtua Fighter, the world's first 3D fighting game in 1993, will be rebooted first in Japan to celebrate Sega's 60th anniversary. Stay tuned for more news on this one. End quote. Now, speculation quickly came following the announcement, with the FGC's focus on the word quote-unquote reboot. Many are unsure if this means a new installment in the franchise or perhaps a remastering of the last title. 
The last time Virtua Fighter game graced the FGC came in the form of Virtua Fighter 5, which originally saw a release in early 2007. However, the game did receive multiple updates, the last being in the form of Virtua Fighter 5 Final Showdown, which came in June of 2012. A lot to unpack there. And we really didn't see much from that trailer. So it was just a trailer. It showed a bunch of people celebrating esports moments, kind of like people getting off stage or, you know, holding trophies. Mm. And then at the end, you just saw Kira there turning his head and it fate to black saying Virtua Fighter cross esports. They did us like KOF 15, man. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly did. Dude, I hate that. I hate that so much. It's like, come on, man. You can't even show us a little bit more. Just a face. Not even a real title. All right. <laughs> So what do you make of this? Do you think, obviously the first thing I saw on Twitter is like, well, what does that mean? Is this going to be a new Virtua Fighter? Or are you just remaking an old one or remastering, a, you know, just a, a bunch of them and compiling together? What does that mean, Virtua Fighter across esports? So it's just such a, an ambiguous title to give one of your franchises. And from what I understand, I didn't see any trademarking as far as, you know, how they trademark certain names for video games and stuff. Mm -hmm. I didn't see any of that online. So I don't know what they have in store they didn't even give you a timeline really it's just all very vague it's they made a big announcement without a lot of information which is a little frustrating but the good part is hey we're getting something new or something virtua fighter that's new which we haven't gotten since june of 2012 it's been mm. over eight years so that's the good news the bad news is we just have no idea what to do with this news <laughs> <laughs> You know what it's going to be, man? It's going to be Pachinko. Oh, man. <laughs> it's going to be a gotcha or Pachinko <laughs> game. <laughs> Virtual Fighter X Pachinko. Man. Oh, man. Just that's going to gonna be the hypest thing ever. Yeah. Just like a gotcha. Gotcha game. <laughs> oh, man. Like they did, uh, was it Castlevania? I think they did. Yeah, I think it was Castlevania. They do everything. It's going to be like a, <laughs> it's going to be a gotcha game. It's going to be like, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah oh. gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Akira, you're gonna see Akira playing on a, on a friggin' pinball machine or a gotcha machine. That's oh, like transitions through it. Oh, dude, brutal. But you know, <laughs> yeah, in, in all seriousness, like if they do come out with another Virtua Fighter, I think that's gonna be really good for mm -hmm. fighting games. But also, I've said this for a long time. I think one of the reasons why Tekken Seven perhaps went the way it did with season three and kind of took its foot off the gas is because man, it doesn't have a competitor really. And it's only other competitor mm, so true, is it the one that it owns? It's Soul Calibur six, right? It's like they're hardly competing with anybody because Dead or Alive is, you know, Dead or Alive, unfortunately. But like, <laughs> Dead or Alive six yeah, is man. dead and they killed it. I mean, Koei Tecmo killed their own game. So they didn't even have to do Bandai Namco's work for them. And so you have Sega here with one of the oldest properties in 3D fighting games, perhaps making a comeback. Parody is good in fighting games. And especially it's something needed, I think, in, in the 3D landscape, which Tekken doesn't have somebody to look at and be like, hey, they're doing that. We better step up our game. I would love to see a new Virtua Fighter because it only means good things for the other guy. Now we have mm -hmm. another person in that space that they could be looked at as a rival or a competitor, even if there's the competition is not super close. Let's say Tekken is a way better game than new Virtua Fighter. It's still there. It's still something to strive for, for both, right? So Virtua Fighter can learn lessons by looking at what Tekken does, vice versa. And as much as I would love to, you know, to have something like Dead or Alive make a comeback or become like a legit game and be marketed as one, Virtua Fighter, I think, is the closest thing that we can get for another premier 3D fighting game. So I'm really hoping they play their cards right with this one. But that's obviously if they do right by this franchise. Well, I will say that Sega 
hasn't done right by anything Sonic related, but it looks like they've been doing right by almost everything else. So, I mean, that's some form. <laughs> I don't know if you want to take, take it as, as it is, but yeah, dude, I, I think I didn't even think about that, but you're right, man. And I think that could be part of it because Tekken doesn't compete with 2D games. Mm-hmm. It, it would probably be better off competing with 3D because for whatever reason, they could be like, well, 3D models are so much harder, different. Everything is different. You don't know what the hell you're talking about, right? But then it's like, oh, here's Virtual Fighter again. Maybe they'll finally stop stagnating because, you know, that's that's kind of how it is with competition too. Competition forces somebody to try to be better because it's like, oh, well, you got to make rib for $2? Well, I got to make rib for a dollar, you know, and it makes yep. People basically try to compete for whatever they're trying to sell. So a new virtual fight will be really cool, man. What I don't like the naming, though. Like, I hate I I don't like it when they're trying to cater it to a certain group of people. The the, the esports tag always feels like that. It kind of reminds me of how like BB tag was evil ready. It was like that was like one of the big selling points. Evil ready. They put it on the damn box too so I, I mean but hey it could be really good hopefully their endeavors are actually in the right uh mindset when it comes to making a new virtual fighter and kind of taking the old and just bringing some good new and all that stuff i'd like to see a new virtual fighter that's for sure though i'd like to see something different man i i don't play soul caliber i tried it but i don't really want to try it after like the amount of time i played it for so it would be nice to have something that isn't tech and be out there in the 3d realm yeah absolutely and i think you know i don't really like the name but i'm hoping that the name it signals that they're doing this for the right reasons meaning they want to compete in that space of esports yeah but you gotta you gotta make the right decisions and choices with your game if you're gonna compete with something like tekken 7 because right now tekken 7 is dominating the 3d esports space for fighting games right you have to be able to hit that same bar that tekken set for esports and fighting games it can't be something like again not to rag on dead or alive but just dead or alive being like hey we're doing this little thing on the side here's the little tour and then peace out after a year like that can't be your goal just to like make a little bit of money and then, <laughs> that's what happened <laughs> yeah i'm hoping that they can truly compete and make the right decision so yes it's called virtua fighter across esports uh, hopefully it's obvious that's not going to be the final name of course but i understand the motivation but you got to do it right. So we'll stay tuned. This is honestly, I think this is good news. And like I said, you need parody in any market. But man, if there's a fighting game market or a fighting game space that needs parody right now, it's it's the 3D space. It's the 3D landscape for sure. And I, I would love to see Virtua Fighter kind of make some noise and, and, you know, give Tekken some competition. Yo, I just had this thought, man, while you were mentioning that. I was like, watch, watch it be Virtual Fighter X Tekken. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Tekken basically said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we'll share with you." <laughs> That'd be nuts. That would be nuts. like it, it would be good, but then it's like, damn, you, they really out here trying to take over everything. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk a lot about Tekken on this podcast. It's actually the fighting game topic of the week. Yeah, we'll have a lot to say about Tekken Seven, but yeah, Virtual Fighter Cross Esports. We'll we'll keep more, or we'll keep our ear close to that in the future any updates that come up with that. So let's move on. This one actually just came in super late a couple nights ago and it's King of Fighters 2002. So it's 2002, the new 15, since we don't know what's going on with King of Fighters 15. Apparently it's not a game anymore, Pringle. It's it's just the name. Right? It feels like, geez. But 2002 is a game. So 
In the early morning hours of September 28, 2020, SNK Global surprised everyone by announcing that the King of Fighters 2002 Unlimited match will be experimenting with a community open beta featuring rollback netcode. In a blog post on Steam, SNK goes on to say this, Quote, we here at SNK have been listening and we want to make sure that your dreams come true. Together with our friends at Code Mystics, we are proud to bring you a new beta of KOF 2002 UM, which now includes rollback netcode. End quote. They continue on to say that the reason this rollback implementation is in beta is in order to further polish any netcode related issues via community feedback. SNK is quoted saying this, quote, for the time being, this new update will be a part of an open community beta. If your PC is running a 64-bit version of Windows, then try out the beta for yourself by right-clicking on KOF 2002 UM's properties, selecting the betas tab, and then select 64-bit trial from the choices. The beta can only match against other beta versions of the game, but you can opt out at any time by selecting none under the betas tab. The beta duration will start on October 1st and end on October 15th, and its region will be worldwide. King of Fighters 2002 or Unlimited Match is currently available on Steam for $14.99. One final note is that Code Mystics, the developer responsible for this rollback implementation, also worked on adding rollback netcode to other fighting games such as Garo, Mark of the Wolves, The Last Blade 2, KOF 97, Samurai Showdown 5 Special, and many others. Mm. What about that? That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, that's that's freaking cool, dude. I'm. I mean, I uh, <laughs> do you have to pay for the open beta, or you just kind of mm -mm. get it? Or... No, if you own the game, oh, so it's free. Yep, if you own the game, you can opt into the beta. Oh, so you have to have the game? Mm -hmm. Damn, that's fifteen dollars. I don't think I want to spend. But <laughs> I, <laughs> yo, yo, that is pretty cool, though, man. I, I don't know how good the rollback net is. It really good? Have you played? I played Garu, but like it was on like Fight Cage. I don't know how they're rollback is on the steam side of things so i have a very limited time playing garo online but from what i played i had no issues so oh, yeah. i've only played i want to say maybe like eight matches which is not a big sample point right because i played them against maybe eight matches against three players and i don't really mm -hmm. know where they were from but it i mean it was smooth so it was fun I think Code Mystics does a really good job. And this is the only game that I remember that they've worked on that actually has an open beta. I wonder if because they're anticipating, obviously it's 2002, everybody keeps saying, you know, KOF, it's, you either play 98 or, or 2002. I think this is because they think they're going to have a much larger sample size with 2002. Mm. That's why they're putting it through beta. Unlike something like Sam Show 5 Special or KOF 97, because... You know, not as many people play those games. 2002 is still a very big game for that KOF community. So I think that's why they want the beta and kind of sort out any issues that they're going to have with more players. But yeah, Code Mystics does a very good job so far, at least with their track record of rollback netcode. So. Mm. so you're saying that if I get this game, there will be people playing it? Because <laughs> like, it's always been a thing with the SNK games, man. I get it. I'm hyped to play, and then I'm like, damn, there's nobody playing this game right now. Yeah, man. so, yeah, it's always, people play, I mean, all the KOF fans, you know, they play all of them, but the two most popular ones that aren't the newest ones are usually 98 mm. and 2002. Those are the two that oh, everybody really? keeps saying, oh, no, it's this one, no, it's that one. Obviously, you also have 13 is still very popular. The problem with 13 is that the netcode is really bad, so you can't play yeah. it online. 14 is still doing pretty good, but... For the older ones, yeah, 98 and 2002 are very popular games within that community. So I do believe you'll find some matches, especially once this beta starts. It, the, kind of surprising news. I did not expect this. It came out. It was like a press release in the middle of the night. And I know Japan is in different times. But 
for us, it was late, late at night. It was like midnight. And all of a sudden they were like, hey, KOF 2002 has rollback. So it's cool that they're implementing this. And I'm sure they might come out with a deal. I didn't see any deals for 2002, but they might come out before the beta. Still a couple days before the beta. So who knows? But yeah, for right now, the game is $14.99 on Steam. The beta starts October 1st, ends on October 15th. And I'm sure that after that, hopefully they can work out the kinks for the rollback netcode. And I'm anticipating King of Fighter 2002 UM is going to get a big boost of players. Mm-hmm. And dude, you also, you made me appreciate, because like now, I, like I'm starting to appreciate SNK more, more because of the fact that like, look at SNK, they've managed to put most, if not like so many games that they've made on Steam. Mm-hmm. But then you look on like Capcom side with their fighting games, they haven't put a lot of those games on Steam. I mean, what was it? They put the anniversary collection of Street Fighter. Yep. Basically, they just put a whole junk full of like Street <laughs> Fighter. Like, you know what I mean? Like they just put all of the Street Fighter games in one yeah, package. Toss them in there. Like things like Darkstalkers isn't on Steam. Uh, I don't know how many other fighting games they released, but there's some other ones like Marvel's Capcom 1 and 2 isn't on Steam. But SNK, I feel like they've made it a point to put those games on. Is on CVS 2 on like Steam? Uh, I don't think so either, man. man. I don't, even, I don't even think you get like well another one that nobody ever talks about Tatsunoko versus Capcom. Mm, yeah, that's that only on Wii, exist. right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> go find a Wii right now. I know, right? Rip. Well, yeah, I mean, hopefully one day Capcom will find a brain, but for now, at least we got rollback in two thousand two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right. All right, next item of news, and there's not much news here. This is more just a press release. So Guilty Gear Strive is going to have an announcement. Arc System Works announced that there will be a Guilty Gear Live or Guilty Gear Strive live stream event that will feature news and information regarding the upcoming fighting game title. The event is set to take place on October 10th at 10 p.m. Eastern. The streams will go live both on YouTube and Twitch. Guilty Gear Strive is currently set to launch in early 2021 on PS4, PS5, and PC. So there wasn't, there's not much to go off of this. So this is my question to you. What do you expect? from this announcement. I don't really know what the, I, I didn't really see even a hint there. Is this going to be characters? <laughs> Are they going to talk about how, hey, how's the rollback netcode going? How's the progress and implementing this thing? Are we going to get a concrete release date? Are you going to talk about more mechanics in the game or changes or talk about how, how feedback has made you perhaps look at the game differently from players? Because you know how they do those blog posts with the dev blogs. Yeah. I don't know what to go off here, but I hope, honestly, I, I kind of want something a little more substantial with these news releases. I don't want, I don't just want more characters, but give me some useful information that I can take as a consumer and as a player and like, okay, I can do something with this. I can look forward to something. I just don't want to see Milia or like, you know, all these characters, unless, hey, if they release Eno, I'll be hyped. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I, I just want something a little more. Maybe I'm being greedy. I don't know. But I would say, man, I'm, I'll be honest with like the Guilty Gear Strive as a game. It showed us like, think about it this way, the way it's kind of like uh, marketed itself. It showed the trailer for the game, right? Mm-hmm. Which was cool. And then after that, it just became this character trailer thing, which I think is cool too. But I also have this thing where it's like, I feel like that's such a like a low common denominator yeah. type of marketing in a way. Because like, okay, so like the character trailers is a great way. It's like, yo, they're going to bring this character, this character. These are things you should be hyped for. But what about like the other things that encompasses a fighting game? You know, what about like what's going to be the single player content? What's Is there going to be like arcade mode? Why don't you show us tutorials to like interest to, to incentivize casual people. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I don't know. It would be cool if they did what, what would be really dope is if they did somebody like kind of playing a tutorial of art system and going through the motions and essentially progressing to instead of just a casual player to someone that becomes well versed in the game and you see that progression that would be really dope that'd be but that's like next level stuff but i'd say that man personally i i feel like i don't want it to be bs like i know okay so if you ever see smash ultimate this dude the dude that makes it or the developer the head developer because it's not just one guy making it right yeah sakurai this yeah, this dude will, will do a 30-minute video on one character. I don't know how the <laughs> hell he does it, but he does it. So when I see that, I'm like, man, I can't imagine if they do something similar with, like, the Guilty Gear uh, Strive livestream. They'll do one trail. They'll show the character, and then they're going to show somebody that isn't even that into, like, fighting games, playing the game and showing you what this character does. And that's going to be, like, pretty much the presence of what they're going to show me. And then hopefully they show, they might show like, this is the story mode and this is the versus mode. Hopefully they show like something where they've made the lobbies better mm -hmm. or an online system. Yo, you know, it'd be dope if they showed somebody that had a copy of the game matchmaking in a whole nother country. So <laughs> that'd be really cool. Cause then it's like, oh, look how fast it came. If it shows stuff like that, it'd be like, whoa, that's, that's pretty cool. It took him like a couple seconds to get ready and all that stuff, you know, all this kind of stuff. So. I feel like they could do so much more with, I, I don't know, man. I almost feel like they just don't have like an idea, man, or something in there, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, like sometimes you got to have an idea, man. As, as stupid as that job is, it would help in these situations where you're just unsure of how you want to go about things. I don't think they're unsure, but I don't, from what I've seen, all they show is character trailers and man, that is nothing to me. For one thing, you don't even hear the goddamn voices mm. of the characters, which is weird. So then that means, uh, like, what if like, what if Milia's voice sounds like a like me, man? You know, that would be awful. <laughs> <laughs> and I know it won't happen, but think about it. You don't know that. <laughs> you don't know that because you didn't hear her voice when they showed her, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I hope that they make it interesting enough to it not just be this thing where it's like, oh, like kind of like what they did with um, Bandai Namco did with Master Roshi, where it was just a new person playing Roshi. Like, I like that, yeah. but there's got to be more to it. And you can't just roll with it for like a whole two hours, man. Like, come on, dude. There, there's got to be more to if you can If you can basically live stream your game in like an hour and it showed everything, I think there's a problem, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And yeah, like I said, I'm not to be negative or, or just, you know, want more, just, you know, being greedy. But if you just said it, if if your whole base for your announcement is just the character release, that could have just, you could just put a trailer on YouTube for that because yep. you, it, that can't be the whole thing. Like, I don't even care if, if it's just a PowerPoint slideshow that shows me some numbers, shows me what you're talking about as far as the progression for the netcode, if you've run into any problems, or how are you dealing with feedback? I, I just want to know a little bit more. I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be a fly on the wall, but I just give me a little bit more insight as far as what's going on because they're targeting first quarter of 2021. 
and they have not talked about mm-hmm. any sort of delay. But with the information I have now, first quarter 2021 at most is six months from now, not even five months from now. So you're telling me with the information I have now, I should be confident. I don't know if they've even, like you said, have they revamped the lobby system? What is Yo, going for on? Real, man. So I just want more, make, make me a little bit more confident as a, as a consumer they're like, hey, I want to support this game. Give me a reason why. That's all I'm asking for. And a, a trailer for a character is nice, but it's it's it can't be it. It can't be the reason. So I just want a little bit more from them, and hopefully they deliver that on this announcement, October 10th. Yeah, man, because they that you're right, man. It I, from what I've heard of Guilty Gear Strife, nothing. I mean. Let's think about it. If you take a step back, kind of look at it objectively, and you're not a, a, too much of a Guilty Gear fan, mm-hmm. I mean, they haven't done anything good for themselves. <laughs> like, let's be honest, man. You take it back. The beta wasn't good. People were always, uh, like, disconnecting out of matches. The lobby system was horrible. You know, the only thing they got going was good graphics. People weren't really enjoying the uh, the fights. Sometimes the damage was so high that you really couldn't even enjoy a set of fights. Yeah. So, like, what you ain't show me anything that's like, I can't wait for Guilty Gear Strive. What, like, what you ain't show me nothing, man? You know, it's, it's, I don't know, like, it doesn't help that they haven't showed us anything, man. Yeah, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. Yeah, you're right. And not to harp on this too much, but you know, I'm, okay, October 10th, 2020, I don't know what that date signifies, but if you're just going to release a character trailer, just do it at an online event or do it at any, yeah, you, know, I mean, you can compile that and, and, you know, give an event online a little bit more shine by like, hey, we're going to reveal an event or reveal a character at this event. So, you know, go watch instead of making your own event and gearing it towards Guilty Gear if if it's only a character. But if it's more, OK, I'm tuning in October 10th to see what you got to say. But if if I'm getting debated, I'll be I'll be pretty mad. <laughs> I'll be God pretty damn, mad. man. They're going to they gonna whole roll with a copper face on us, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. I yeah, I. I don't think I'll probably, I might try to see when it happens, but I don't know, man. I probably would just be playing KOS. <laughs> hey, there, <you> go. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> right. Oh, dude. Right. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see October 10th what they have to say. Hopefully, it's good news. Oh, uh, right quick. Sorry, but I just remembered something. Since they haven't mentioned the launch times, will it all like, will it all come in, at the same time? You know, it's, is it going to be on PS4? And then we're and then because what was it? Uh, Grand Blue did that. I didn't like that at all, man. They they dropped Grand Blue on PS4 and then it didn't get a PC release like a month till, later. I like, think was it a month or was it longer? I don't actually. I think I think it might have been Uniclair that was a month. Maybe Grand Blue was yeah. a little earlier. I don't. I, I don't know. They both came around the same time. That's good. So I will say I'm not I'm not a fan of that because it puts it puts people at like a whole nother level, man. Mm-hmm. Like. You'll be amazed how good people can get in a couple of months, oh, yeah. or even. A- I, I'll get a little salty too as a PC player. Like, man, PS4 already <laughs> got it, and I gotta wait. <laughs> yeah, man, and you know it's gonna be better on PC. Mm-hmm. Like, let's be honest. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, right now it's only confirmed for those three consoles. Who knows? I don't think it'll probably show up on Xbox Series consoles, but oh, yeah, RIP Xbox yeah. too. Yeah, I do. Actually, now that you mention it, I do hope it's day and day for consoles and PC. Hopefully they don't do the whole, well, it's going to be, you know, a month until PC gets it because that yeah, that'll be annoying. I hate that. Well, we'll find out. All right, Pringle, this is a big one. We're done with the news. This one is the fighting game topic of the week. And there's a lot to dissect here. And this is all about Tekken. So Ooh. I figured since there's so much to dissect here, 
I kind of compile this by sections almost. So we can go over a section and then react to that and then move to the next section because there's a lot to digest. So I just don't want to read this whole thing and then we forgot what we talked about. Or forgot <laughs> what I, so. Dude, yeah. yeah, no problem. So we'll take it with the first. So Tekken, I think, is getting it right. So following the Tekken 7 Online Challenge Open Tournament held for the U.S. East region, which took place on September 26, 2020, Bandai Namco had quite a lot to share with the Tekken community following the tournament grand finals. Which, by the way, I didn't watch... I just want to digress for a second. Online tournaments, even though, like, if I just showed up and I didn't know that it was an online tournament, like, there's something off about the gameplay that I just, I'm not as interested. And when I was watching a little bit of grand finals, I just, I didn't really care. I don't know what it was, but I was just like, yeah. <laughs> it's like watching fantasy football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, there's something off. And I was just like, eh, I don't know. Not the same. So I didn't watch really much of the gameplay. I was just kind of waiting for the announcement. I, I also want to say, I think this is my beef too. I don't know if they made the changes already, mm -mm. but how the hell people know you're playing somebody that isn't wired or Wi-Fi? So, like, that takes the legitimacy a lot away from those online tournaments, man. Yeah. We won't know until this update, but yeah, sure. I'm sure the guys in Grand Finals were probably wired. It's just, I don't know. Well, there was a player that was running. I don't remember. It was a pretty popular player. I won't say no name, but he was running Wi-Fi. And the dude was like, man, this dude's Wi-Fi. <laughs> I don't know if you know who it is, but for the for the real ones, they, know, they probably know. Right. But, yeah. It was grimy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> Real grimy. Anyway, Katsushiro Harada and Michael Murray opened the announcement show with the acknowledgement of the fact that working on Tekken 7 Season 4 has been difficult for them due to COVID-19. However, they have managed to optimize new work-from-home policies, increasing their efficiency compared to the May and June months. Harada then announced the news that Tekken 7 had officially sold 6 million units worldwide, which also marks 50 million units sold lifetime for the Tekken series as a whole, ranking it third all-time behind Super Smash Bros. series with 61 million copies and the Mortal Kombat franchise with 52 million copies, which I found super interesting. Damn. Street no Fighter sold that much. Yeah, Street Fighter is number four. Wow, crazy that both Tekken and Mortal Kombat have eclipsed Street Fighter. Could you like? I didn't think that could be a possibility. That we're Tekken, living a, we're, we're living in a Mad Max world, dude. It's, everything's backwards, man. Wild. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't know. I, I always forget that Mortal Kombat is a thing. I won't front with you, man. Like I always forget. <laughs> it. I see it for a little bit. I'm like, ugh, looks weird, choppy gross and i just tune out man but it is a thing people really get into mortal kombat i forget all about it too it has been around for like as long as street fighter or so here and there i think so it's like it makes sense mm -hmm. really interesting numbers there so following the sales figure milestone the team debuted the newest character to join the game apart as part of its upcoming fourth season kunimitsu However, as stated by Harada post-trailer, this Kunimitsu is the second generation of the character, being the daughter of the Kunimitsu Tekken fans grew to love from previous oh. games. Some differences to note between mother and daughter shown by the trailer is Kunimitsu taking off her mask, showing her face, something her mother never oh. did. Kunimitsu was also heard speaking in the trailer, another trait absent from her mother. And lastly, the ability to see as the original Kunimitsu was famously known to be blind. Oh. Is she going to pull up a phone and next? God damn. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Might as well tell me to like, subscribe, and comment over here like Julia. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jesus. I'm kidding. 
But yeah, Kunimitsu never... That was some, one thing I thought was really weird is because even though the old Kunimitsu, she had her mask on all the time, you still saw her scar. She had a really bad scar on her face. That's why she never took her mask... Well, I'm assuming that's why she never took her mask off. But with this Kunimitsu, immediately what I've noticed seeing the trailer, I was like, oh, where's the scar at? Like, you can't see mm, it behind the mask. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was a little strange. And then they obviously confirmed that's actually her daughter. Now, this was a big one. Harada was then quoted by saying, quote, she may not feel initially like a Tekken oh, character, but we figured we should change things a bit, end quote. Harada is possibly pointing at the gameplay style seen in the trailer, with some elements reminiscent oh, of Noctis, no. <laughs> exemplified with command teleportation, and even what was seen as a forward-moving projectile. Oh, no. Yeah, she had one move like that, that it kind of looked like Noctis's forward two, where he throws a sword and teleports oh, to I it. I hate that character. <laughs> and yeah, she has a little bit of uh, Master Raven type style where certain moves will teleport out. Like, you know how Master Raven can, is it the parry? Where she'll, she'll parry and then she'll teleport yeah, yeah, over yeah. with yeah. like the dive yeah, kick. She has some, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. So it's not true teleportation. It's just based on like inside or it's equipped inside of her offensive moves, which is, it's fine. I don't, I don't mind it. Anyway, Harada also mentioned that although Kunimitsu has her own unique outfit and appearance, she will also have the option to select her mother's legacy outfit once she's in the game. We'll stop here for now. What do you think about Kunimitsu? I don't know if you saw the trailer. I, I, I saw it. I, uh, I didn't feel anything. <laughs> no? Nah, man, I didn't feel a goddamn thing. I saw it and I was like, oh, cool. I, I knew there was like, I know there were some people that really wanted Kunimitsu, but then in my head I was like, mm. I already got the tentacle, dude. Why I need this over here? Like I thought she was like for the longest, I thought she was like a discount Yoshimitsu, man. No. But <laughs> yeah, for the longest, that's what I thought, because of the name being similar. And I heard that she's kind of yeah. weird. She's like a trickier kind of character. But mm. I don't know. I'm I'm never I I'm not too interested in her. I I mean I think. For me personally, I would like to. I think it would be cool if we got Blade Raven back over here. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know. I think it was pretty cool. Uh, but I didn't really feel anything. I, I can't. It was just one character too. I don't. I don't know. It was. I, I was like, oh, that's nice. I guess I. I'm over here like, man. I just want a new Tekken, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a new Tekken at this point, man. I'm done with seven. You know, I felt that same way before. I watched this announcement and I'm actually a little more optimistic now with Tekken 7 than I was prior to this, but we'll, we'll get to it. Just one note about Kunimitsu. I'm actually like, I don't really play Kunimitsu, but I'm actually like a big fan. I really like, I'll say this, I don't really like this version of her daughter. Mm -hmm. I like the mother a lot. I think the mother is, she's a lot colder. She's just, I don't know. She, she's like an actual ninja and she has kind of a chip on her shoulder. I like the old Kunimitsu. She's, she doesn't talk. She's very aggressive. Yeah. And, she plays kind of weird, like she's a small character, she's quick, and her ninja style is very different than what you would see with Master Raven or something like that. Yeah. So she's an interesting character. I liked her in Tag 2. I played a little bit of Tag 2. But this version, I don't know. Uh, you could tell that she's younger. Yeah. <laughs> and I just I think I like her mother better as a character versus this version of Kunimitsu. But I was, if she plays somewhat similar which doesn't, I mean, she has some elements of her mother, but she's also her own character. I'm happy that she's in, but if it was up to me, I would have chose chosen legacy Kunimitsu over her second generation daughter. So. I think that was one of the things that kind of, well, now that you mention it, a lot of the like the things you mentioned, like, oh, her being quiet, not showing her face, being blind, those are like, those are kind of like cool kind of traits to put into a character because that means that the character works with like, 
disabilities and stuff like that, or you know, mm-hmm. there's some sort of allure to it. But then she pulls out the mask. She's like, "Oh, you one of those?" We- I thought what she said. She said something to Yoshimitsu. It was like, "Oh, you just like my mama said you are." I was like, "Dang, okay." You know, <laughs> like that under the bus. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm not too much of a fan too. If she plays like. If she has a similar play style to like Noctis or even in some form, shape, or way, anything like him, oh man, dude, she's gonna be she's gonna be annoying online, dude. Like, let's be she's probably gonna be hella annoying, man. Yeah, she's definitely gonna be tricky, especially when I saw her character model. Like she's tiny. Like she there's gonna be some things that you're not gonna be able to hit her with. I can already tell that just by the way she stands. Yeah. And just, I could already tell that her hitbox is going to be a little funky. It's not going to be like Art of Phoenix funky, yeah, but there's going to be some combos where like if if you're like a Brian player and you try to get like back three on her, you're going to be like, I can't believe that doesn't hit. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> that's probably <laughs> no, going to be the case with her. With my orals. <laughs> yeah, for real. And But yeah, she is a little different. She's a little smug. Like one thing to note, at least from what I remember... Kunimitsu never beat Yoshimitsu ever. Like, that never happened. He always came up on top. Mm-hmm. And that's why she had a bit that chip over sh- on her shoulder. She was very... She wanted revenge all the time, and she always chased him. That was, like, his only her only goal. And she was very... Just a quiet character, but you could tell. Like, a very serious character. That's why I always really liked her. Her daughter is kind of playful. And that's not... When I think Kunimitsu, I don't think playful. I think, like, business and, like, sh- this chick is an assassin. Like, she, she's going after you. Where her, yeah. her daughter is just kind of like, oh, I'm just here to play, <laughs> you know? She's going to pull out a phone, man. She's going to pull oh, a man. cell phone. Once you beat your ass, she's going to take a picture of it and put it on Worldstar, man. That's how <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go, man. Yeah. So, But still, I mean, interesting. I, I am glad that a version of Kunimitsu is in the game because overall, yeah. I, I do like I think she, she thinks she's a cool character. So the team then discussed the roadmap for Tekken 7's fourth season, and it is mapped out as such. Kunimitsu and her accompanying stage, Vermilion Gates, which, by the way, I think is beautiful. I think that Ooh. stage is gorgeous looking. Dude, okay, so I actually was more hyped for the stage than her ass. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that stage and I was like, yo, that's a cold-ass stage. It reminds me of the Geese stage, mm-hmm. man. That was really cool. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. It has, I think, I think it's Mount Fuji in the background. It's very Japanese-esque, mm. right? You got the Sakura trees all over the place beautiful colors i think right now it's probably the best looking stage in the game just yeah, from my dude, opinion I don't know. Yeah, man. they they need more that game needs more stages man mm-hmm. i don't know what it is but it needs more stages dude <laughs> side note so kunimitsu and her accompanying stage vermilion gates will debut in fall of 2020 with another character in stage to follow in early spring of 2021 so this season pack is very condensed it seems it's not really focusing on characters and stages, but it's focusing on other things, and we'll get to those. But I found that interesting. Every single season pack we've got has had at least three or more characters introduced in every single one of them, I'm pretty sure. So this one is very, very thin on the characters, which personally, I'm okay with. Yeah, yeah, definitely do. However, perhaps the most anticipating news or anticipated news came shortly after discussing Tekken 7's roadmap. That being addressing the online component, predominantly netcode, something we always talk about on this show. Harada and Murray indicated that with the transition to online events, the vocal majority push of the community seemed to be the need for good matchmaking conditions. Thus, the team had decided to focus on two elements which encompass competitive online matchmaking. The first being the addition of a Wi-Fi indicator and the second being rollback netcode improvement. Harada addressed the Wi-Fi indicator implementation first, saying that according to his worldwide data, roughly 60% of Tekken players are wired, 
with the majority of those coming by way of PC users. What did I tell you, mm -hmm. everybody? Listen to this podcast. PC is where it's at. You don't want to play yeah, against yeah, Wi-Fi? Yeah. You better join the master race over here on the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in the dark side. <laughs> However, due to packet loss and inconsistent connection, adding the Wi-Fi indicator could help players find opponents who have more or who have a more stable connection. Secondly, Harada then confirmed that Tekken 7 does indeed incorporate rollback netcode. However, it is variable rollback. So this is something that a lot of people suspected with Tekken 7. Is it pure delay? Is it, does it have rollback? Now we know from the mouth of Harada, because, you know, on Twitter things, it's very difficult to translate sometimes. And he tried to, to talk about it before, but he didn't really give you a clear answer. Now we know. Yeah, so Tekken 7 does have rollback. But it's not like Skullgirls or MVCI, it's, it's variable. So, Harada is quoted by saying this, quote, Many games set their values from 0 to anywhere between 1 to 6, with the maximum being 6 frames. If we set the maximum value for Tekken, the animation can get janky, even with rollback netcode, because of the heavy load of prediction rollback, end quote. Harada also mentioned that Tekken is usually set at 3 frames of rollback at max. However, with three frames, they have found difficulties, especially between U.S. East Coast players and U.S. West Coast players. In order to work towards a solution, Harada has had help from U.S.-based players to test connectivity across the two coasts of the United States, and has seen the early response to be quite positive post the implemented changes. Harada summarized by saying that he is currently confident in the new improvements they had both the debug team and Tekken players try out, but they will continue to look at further ways to improve connectivity. So this is big. So now we know Tekken 7 has rollback. They address that there's a problem, right? We want better connection, especially on this side of the globe where it's difficult for us, right? We're all spread out here in the United States and a lot of us on consoles and some on PC as well play on Wi-Fi. So how do we address it? Wi-Fi indicator and further improvement to roll back with actual testing, right? So it's very difficult to take debug units and because you can't travel, so you can't take them to hotels in like the West Coast or, you know, tournaments in Poland or whatever. So he used players on opposite coast here in the United States. I'm assuming maybe they shipped them debug units to test this thing, or I don't know how they did it. He didn't really divulge those details. But apparently what these people have been saying, at least the players from opposite coast, is that post-implementation, at least the ones that they've been using, it's been really good. Now, that's the Ooh. word of those players. I don't know how confident I can be of that because obviously I haven't played it yet, so who knows? Something that could be good, and it's all subjective, right? They could be like, oh, this is great, but it might, could have been like, you know, four frames. I'll be like, that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real, dude. So we don't know until we get it, obviously. But right now, they said that they're very confident in the fact that they have this working much better than previously. So what do you make this? I guess let's just try to focus first on the Wi-Fi indicator, the fact that, okay, now it's in the game. This is has been something that we see in a lot of fighting games. I know Skullgirls has it, but yeah. Do you think a Wi-Fi indicator will make matchmaking a bit better as far as finding opponents? Because not only will most people will reject Wi-Fi, but do you I think it I could also incentivize? <laughs> yeah. Do you think it'll also be able to maybe incentivize people who are on Wi-Fi, maybe struggling to find matches to finally wire? Ooh, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I I was gonna just say, man, it took a whole pandemic to get something. <laughs> no kidding. Why did we have to get to this point just so they could be like, yeah, let's try doing something about that. I, I don't see how they, anyways, I'm just getting to a whole nother thing about that. But yeah, dude, 
I think that Wi-Fi indicator after playing more of Skullgirls and it has that. Oh man, I love that thing, dude. Mm-hmm. I I'm hitting on everybody that's on Wi-Fi. I discriminate heavily. <laughs> if you don't, <laughs> As you I should. don't like you. Yeah, <laughs> man, dude. I I shun you if you out here playing on Wi-Fi. Goddamn it, because mm-hmm. like, dude, it is is the packet losing like that thing is a big big factor to when you play someone on Wi-Fi. You play someone on Wi-Fi. It's always just bouncing and flickering and stuff just always gets funky. But when you're playing wired, it, that don't happen. So, yeah, I think that's a really good a really good step in the right direction. And I'm glad they're fu- like they're paying attention to that kind of stuff because, dude, who knows how much people try to like slide in with their Wi-Fi on these online tournaments too, and oh, yeah. screw everyone over. And the people that scumbag through online and stuff like that, you know, it's terrible. So. I'm glad that they are, you know, working on that. It's just, it's funny because you, you, I, you reminded me that Smash was trying to put like rollback in there and stuff like that, right? I don't know if you heard about mm-hmm. this. They were trying to put the indicator. I believe it's Smash. Could be wrong, but I believe it's Smash. They were trying to put the Wi-Fi indicator. But one of the things that I think Sakurai said or someone up there said, they said they don't want to put that in because then it would make it so that the people that play Wi-Fi wouldn't get to play. I'm over here like, man, screw them. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> they ruin everything, man. So I'm glad that Tekken isn't doing something weird like that and they're actually trying to implement a said function because in the end of the day, all it really does is improve player experience. It's a quality of life change. You don't. You could still play somebody on Wi-Fi if you want. Nobody's saying you won't. You don't have to, I mean, but you, you, know, you have that option and giving us more options with stuff like that is really good. Could you imagine, just like as an example, let's say you're going to go play basketball. Yeah. But the, you know, <laughs> but the rule is, you know, there's a sign and it says, if you want to get on the court, you better have basketball shoes. But then somebody's right. just like, what? But I like playing barefoot. And then they take off the sign because then people can't play if they don't have basketball shoes. So now you got to play people who are slipping all over the place with no shoes on. Yo, people who actually have traction. <laughs> what a crazy that's concept. That's exactly what it is, though. Man. Yeah, man, that's what it is, too. It's like those little little rules that we just want to improve everyone's experience, man. And then you got that onesie that's like, no. You, you, like, you had people that, I, I, for specifically for the Smash thing, there were people that would say they felt, how do I say, objectified? Yeah, objectified is a word, that they felt objectified that it was like, oh, but I mean, I play on Wi-Fi. Why do you have to look at me like that? I'm like, man, hell no. Get your ass <laughs> out of here with that crap, man. You know, what? you a problem, and you know you are. You, yeah. you out here feeling bad because they victimized? You're not a, you, you're a problem. You're not a victim, okay? We're the victim. <laughs> yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not like you're alienated. Go get a cable, you're back in the group. I mean, that's how easy Dude, it is. <laughs> they they have exactly, and they have like uh I'd say at least in the case of Smash, it's kind of salt. It's I'd be I'd be pretty salty because you have to buy a whole nother accessory for that crap. Oh, yeah, because it doesn't come with the damn Ethernet like land port, whatever the hell. Mm. So that's amazing. But I mean, there's also like what is these the power adapters or something like that? Power Wi-Fi adapters. So for the people that live in like these, these houses where they can't get a, a modem near them for whatever reason. Right. There's like another way around that, too. Yeah. If there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, man. Listen, I think Wi-Fi indicator is really good. I think I don't if I can help it. Yeah. Why? If if I'm going out of my way to wire my rig to be able to play a fighting game online, I expect the same on the other end. And if I see that you're on Wi-Fi, I can make a decision and be like, nope. I'm good. I'll wait for the next guy. And I think it's a really good utility to have in a fighting game. So I would like to see that in more fighting games. And now the fact that Tekken did it, 
in the late stages of Tekken, this better be a precedent set. Like this better be on in Tekken 8 day one because you already set the precedent. You can't go back now. So yeah, this is you a know, really good thing. And you just reminded me too, man. That has to because if Tekken, big old Tekken is doing it, that means Capcom gotta do it too, mm-hmm. man. That means everyone else should start doing that type of thing. Cause if if little old schoolgirls can do it and big old Tekken can do it, then there's almost like no excuse now. Yeah, it should be it should be a must in every fighting game, I, I think. You should be able to see what you're playing against. I mean, you know how they show you rank? I want to see bars. <laughs> Yo, for real? <laughs> I don't give a damn about your rank, man. What's your internet connection looking like? <laughs> yeah, because you know how Tekken, you'd be like, oh, it's four bars. It's like, is it or is it? <laughs> Yo, that's, a, that, that's always my biggest beef with Tekken, man. Those bars lie, man. They, they hella lying, man. Yeah. You'll match. I, I don't know how many times I've done it where like I match with a four and then we get to the match and it's two. I'm like, ah, damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you got to sit through that whole goddamn thing yep. because now they do this whole they do the whole rage quitting. So it's like you kind of want to rage quit, but, you know, you don't, man. It and then, sucks, I, it's, man. it's such a waste, a waste of, of time. time. Yeah, I was going to say it's such a, yeah, waste it's time. a waste of time because then the guy doesn't start playing. He's just like poking you and then taunting. And it's like, get out of here. Just kill me already so I can not play you. Yeah. <laughs> and then the loading for the get ready for the next round that joint take like (laughs) i've sat on that thing for like five minutes and i was like this is why i don't play this game yeah yeah you're yeah you're spending like 38 minutes to try to get done with a match and then by the time you're done with the match like i don't want to play i'm done (laughs) yeah man it ruins my mood (laughs) yeah so yeah wi-fi indicator excellent concept in fighting games i want to see it more the next item the Tekken team discussed was the character and gameplay implementations made to Tekken 7. And this point was actually the one that, as much as I love good netcode, right? Like I want good netcode. This made me really, really happy because I, I was really down with Tekken 7 Season 3, man. Like I was actually, it was my main game for so long and I'm actually was kind of depressed because I have really nothing to go to, like to play. Mm. Because, you know, Undernight has really bad yeah, netcode. Yeah, and Tekken 7 is just not the same game. So when I heard this, like, I was, like, genuinely happy and I was really optimistic. So let me read you this. So Michael Murray was quoted saying this, quote, Season 4 will come with a large-scale rebalancing with new moves, which means players can have fun discovering new ways to use the characters, end quote. However, the most interesting point Murray made during the rebalancing talk was when he said this, quote, Each season introduced characters and new moves that led to high damage or wall carry, often decreasing the strategic back and forth of a match, end quote. He continued saying, We wanted to reduce situations where player would lose a hefty amount of health from wall combos thus decreasing the number of situations where overly high damage was dealt wow this was huge the fact that they actually acknowledged at least from what i understood they acknowledged that hey season three kind of broke this game it took away the balance (laughs) we try to add more stuff and we kind of ruined not ruined but like we really made the game that used to be somewhat balanced really unbalanced and the fact that they acknowledge that, I mean, I can't remember the last developer to actually come out and say as an announcement piece, hey, we kind of messed up on this one. And here's a way for us to acknowledge it and perhaps move past it with another update. I think that takes a lot of balls. And yeah, man. just shout outs to Murray and Harada for actually putting that in the script because they didn't have to. They could have been like, you know, some people like season three, some people didn't. But instead, they actually took a route and be like, hey, you know what? We kind of made the game really centric on offense and we took away possibilities of playing defense. So 
Let's deal with it. I was like, bravo. When I heard that, I was just like, that, okay, I'm back in. Let me see what you got. <laughs> Dude, that's I. That's one of the re that's one thing I don't like about Tekken 7. It, everything does such huge amounts of damage. And that's coming from Raven, where she has like insane wall carry damage. But it, like, it's not easy to get her wall carry damage, too, mm. you know? Compared to like other characters, especially some of the newer characters, but it's like, yeah, man, it's it's so much about it. It reminds me of two D life right there, oh, man. Yeah. Where it's all about putting them in the wall and bodying their ass. It's like, oh man, I hate that. Like, I don't like that at all. Yeah, it's. I mean, you think about the characters that are doing so well right now. They all excel at like a couple of things. Either they have everybody has really good damage, but that's not really the mm -hmm. point of emphasis anymore in Tekken Seven. Yeah, man. But you look at, I mean, wall carry. And wall stages are, they could doom you. If if that's, if you're like, let's say a set is 2-2 and you're playing against any one of these characters, Geese, Akuma, oh my God, Julia, <laughs> Fakumram, and a couple of others. If you're playing against those characters and your back is against the wall, you lost that set, my friend. You could play really, really well, Bruh. but you lost that set. There's just so much that you can do with a backdash, right? You could be playing Zafina with like an amazing backdash or Lily or Alisa. If your back is against the wall and you're playing against somebody like Fakumram or like Akuma or Geese that are so oppressive when those conditions are set, it's over. Like you can't play defense. It's a guessing game. It's all a 50-50 yeah, because that's man. the nature of the game. So it's, it's very difficult to come back. Now, if you could choose to play on an endless stage, okay, now it's a little more even. But now the character that is so reliant on wall conditions or balcony breaks, now they're at a disadvantage. So what do you do? Yo. It's a back and forth of just an unbalanced situation with these characters. Yo, Raven is actually one of those characters that struggles bad when there's no wall, man. Like she's like, like she just does not do all her damage, mm -hmm. man. Like she loses like a huge portion of damage. And yeah, man, I, I'd also say one of my things, I hope they do like, have you ever you play if you play Tekken Tag Two, you've seen the movement in that. You feel the movement, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I wish the tag. I wish in Tekken Seven the movement was better and more emphasized because I feel like sometimes I'm moving, like I'm moving, I'm grooving, man. I got like goddamn ice skates on, man. I'm I'm floating, man, and I get hit with like some random ass button that tracks. <laughs> yeah, man, that sucks, man. Like it's like sidestepping is risky, stuff like that. It's like backdashing feels risky sometimes too that's why i've seen like only like the really high level koreans they be moving like that but then sometimes some of those other dudes they don't move that much and it kind of works man because you got so much buttons sometimes where they kind of like just move the character forward or it just gets that huge ass amount of damage and then i'm like oh, man, yeah i like the move second man that's one of my big things i love movement in tekken man i tested that too not recently, but I don't know, maybe since the patch, it's probably a lot closer now. But when Tekken 7 had a pretty significant input delay, I went back to Tag 2 on 360 just to kind of test it. And I was like, I want to see because I've been playing Tekken 7 for months. And I was like, okay, let me go back to Tag 2 just to feel it. And I picked a Sway character because I you could tell more with a Sway character than a non-back Sway character. So I picked Brian. Yeah. I started backdashing in Tekken 7. And I was like, okay, so I kind of have an idea of what this feels like. Then I went to tag two and I was like, oh my God, that is not even close. The fact <laughs> yo, yo, it was man. night and day. Now I don't know because obviously they decreased the input delay in Tekken 7. So it's probably closer, but I do think that movement both forward and back, I don't know so much about sidestepping, but forward and back in tag two was a lot smoother than Tekken 7. So a buddy, my buddy Oblivious told me that like the movement is like the amount of delay is almost just about the same between those two games hmm. the input de input delay 
But it's just something, I think, with the movement in Tag 2 where it was like, what he tells me is that it was OD in Tag 2 compared to like in Tekken 7. Well, Tag 2 movement gets you really far. Tekken 7, I don't really feel so much that's the case. Yeah, that that could be the case. But it's just one of those implementations that they try to make to maybe help offensive situations, which I think it was fine in Season 1 because you had a way to live after you got hit with a combo, right? Like it wasn't... Like you're not dead. If let's say, okay, if I'm playing against Julia on whatever stage with a wall or a balcony, like Twilight Conflict, she is so much more dangerous playing on that stage compared to like if I'm playing against her on Infinite Azure. Like not even close. Like yeah, she's still man. dangerous, but no, like not re- like I don't have to really be scared for my life that I'm like I'm gonna eat 120 here if I get hit by anything, right? Because it's just dangerous. Whereas if we're playing on Endless, I'd be like, okay, I'll get hit. It's going to suck, but I'll live. Big difference with some of these Season 3 characters and the fact that Season 3 made it a lot easier to achieve those positions. But here's the thing. No, season one had Dragon off. Remember that. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) What was it? Was it uh, 4-4-2? He just has this running running punch, hella plus on block. Yeah. Then you have to eat. Down two. the hell? Yeah, down two or whatever mix-up he wanted to do. Oh, man, I hated that. That was annoying as hell. And he was very easy. He was all over the goddamn place. Mm-hmm. But at least he played Tekken, right? Like, as, as, yeah, that's true. As, as annoying as Ford, as running two and knife, or down two, I call it knife. But, like, as annoying <laughs> as those it. things were, you didn't die. Like, you know, down two was super annoying. But, like, how many down twos has he got to hit you with for you to die? Like... I don't know, 12, 13? Yeah. You have chances to be Dragunov. And obviously, unless you're hitting buttons, he's not going to get a whole lot of damage off of running two, unless he gets you at a counter hit. But he still makes you play Tekken. When you're getting hit by Geese, and he's taking you from one screen to the next, is like, what? <laughs> what is it? The, the stuff he be saying, man? I forgot. What it is. It's no use. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> it is no use. <laughs> he grab you. You hit him, and he's like, King, yeah. nope, my counter. This is like, dude, why you got counters all over the place, man? Yeah. I also want to say, though, I hope that they really do pay attention to these new moves. Like, remember when they added the uh, the wall bounce? Oh yeah, and it almost like like that was like I was so interested when they did it, and then it re- you you realize it's useless. Nobody uses that wall bounce. Only like a very 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 small amount of characters actually had a useful wall bounce. So it was like, dang man, that could have been something really cool, but nope. Yeah, well, I'm not. I'm honestly like I could care less about new moves. I just want a little bit more balance. And mm-hmm. we'll see. I mean, I'm sure the new moves are going to be fun. I don't know how much utility every single character is going to find in them, but. They did touch on the fact that they want to bring up the lower tier. And actually, let's continue here. So Harada mentioned that one element that will be implemented in order to solve this problem is increased health bars, which I understand why they're going that route, because it's so difficult to rebalance every single character. That's going to take forever. And, you know, once you rebalance every single character, you're going to run into bugs. So overall, universal increased health bars is probably a good route. He said he is reminded by the fact that the feedback with regards to balance in previous games, such as Tekken 5 DR, Tekken 6 BR, and Tekken Tag Tournament 2 were positive thanks to the increased health bars. Harada also touched on the fact that having quick match pacing and lower health bars 
wasn't necessarily a bad thing as it gave a higher possibility for anyone to win, which is absolutely true, especially when you include rage arts into that factor, right? (laughs) However, he did acknowledge that this upcoming update will widen the skill gap between veteran and novice players once again, which as a veteran player, I'm like so giddy. (laughs) I'm like, yes. Yeah, okay, okay. I won't get scummed out by that freaking, uh, that, what that dude, Law? Man, I hate that character. (laughs) The Tekken team then discussed character-specific balance by addressing the fact that capturing balance and fun is a difficult task in Tekken. However, they believe that this update will highlight many characters who aren't as popular according to statistics. So that's what we were talking about, is that they want to elevate the bottom tier and almost make them relevant again, right? Like, okay, let's see if these guys can compete with the likes of Julia and Geese and all these really good characters at the top all the time, Zafina. So it'd be cool to see like a Lars or a Bob or Leo, right? Like Fang, we don't see these characters Mm -hmm. anymore. They're just kind of extinct. Yeah, dude. I, you're telling me, man. I use Master Raven. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And I think she's a she's a really good character, but like, I think it's something to do with the difficulty, and she's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. So like, it'd be great because like, I do just want to mention the thing is like they gave because they gave Master Raven new moves, but almost like they basically made her they changed her in a bad way. So they gave her these new moves, and they changed out one of her really good moves, and they like kind of like ruined her in a way. So they gave her these new moves and like never used them. So it's like, damn, man, like what the hell? Like, so I hope that they really do get it right this time. <laughs> yeah, they did that to a few characters and it kind of, it, yeah, it took away a lot. From, I always complain, right? I'm a Lily player. And mm-hmm. in season two from season one, they took away Lily's ability to hold her frames with b- oh, the back okay. one cancel. So it was it was one of Lily's only ways to play neutral against scary characters like Paul or Kazuya who have things like a death fist or an electric. So if Lily wants to play neutral, she has to back one and make kind of make you guess with the cancel that's following. So she could back one into while standing four, which could not be interrupted. It like Kazuya could try to interrupt with an electric and it'll get counter hit. Or she could cancel it into down four and now you got hit with a low poke. So she would make you guess. Now the problem is after season two, they took all of Lily's frames after the back one cancel. So like, why would anybody respect it? Like they could press a button after they see her move forward with the cancel. (laughs) So it's just like, okay, thanks for taking away my only option for neutral. (laughs) I definitely, it's like some characters should always have things that you're supposed to respect from them. And that's what makes some things like more like, you know, good about them, some different, but yeah. Yeah. I think they thought that that was a good trade because they gave her more offensive tools. So they were like, okay, let's take away this. I don't know. Maybe that was their thought process. Probably. I would like to see, and I and I hope when they make this update, they that, well, for one thing, all they got to do for me to come back, really, I think, is if they fix Ravens 443, where they fix the, she has this move where she, she freaking flies at you with her knee and it whiffs and it's so bad. Mm-hmm. Like, why does that happen? So I hope that they fix that. If they fix that, then I'll probably come back maybe. But I think that the veteran and novice player, like that gap has to be big, man. I, I'm not going to front, man, because Tekken is such a legacy game. So like when you fight those really, really good players, they just like getting scummed out shouldn't happen too often with those guys. Yeah. I, I wonder how big the skill gap is going to get widened now with the fact that we're going to get increased health bars. Obviously, everybody's going to have a more of a chance to stay alive mm-hmm. once they get hit with a combo. But how much are you increasing these health bars? Like the 10 HP. <laughs> yeah. So if it's 10 HP, that's not good. 
I would also yeah. hope they do some rebalancing with these highly offensive characters, right? I don't. I'm not trying. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm saying don't castrate these poor characters, but I'm saying you have to do something so Akuma doesn't hit me twice, and he builds meter after the first time he hits me, and he kills me on the second hit. Like that can't be a thing, man. Like <laughs> even with increased health bars. So I hope they do rebalancing, a little bit of retooling, and then the increased health bars, and hopefully they can strike. Some sort of balance. I mean, I don't want every matchup to be 5-5. Five, five. I'm okay with like a 6-4 or a 7-3 every now and again. But I want, just give me a chance. Give me a chance to play and I'll do the rest. That's all I want. Don't hold my hand. Just lead me towards the direction I got to go. Yeah, man. That's true. Guide me. Yeah. <laughs> I just want yeah. a guide to show me the right path. Yeah, that, uh, I uh, I don't want like, I don't want getting hit with no Geese Howard move and I'd lose my whole health. Like that needs to change, man. Yeah. So, continuing on, new moves along with specific character balance adjustments will be made to the entire roster, perhaps shaking up a bit of the competitive landscape with regards to character usage. To close the Season 4 announcement show, Harada announced that the new rank, Tekken God Omega, will be introduced <laughs> to the game. <laughs> Tekken God Omega, and then they're going to be like, well, now we are unleashing Tekken God Omega Prime. For... <laughs> yeah, okay. You know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. Well, still interesting that they went with another rank. So Tekken God Omega will be introduced to the game, and Murray followed up that announcement by also adding that a bit of a rank reset will also occur, as he believes that with the balance update, many characters will see a rejuvenation and the lower tier position in the game will be revitalized, which is really cool. He also touched on a bit on this, and I didn't write it down, is that for higher ranks, like higher level players, if you lose three matches in a row, that's like immediate rank down and you'll be able to see that. But he said that that's not going to really affect people in the lower ranks. They'll have their own ranking system. It's only like the top tier as far as player skill. They'll really have mm. to be on their toes. They can't lose more than three towns before going down. So it actually makes death matches at high level a little more interesting. There's a lot more on the line because now it's a mm. first to three on who gets to keep the rank. So it's, it's I like that, actually. I, I, he didn't really say what rank it starts at as far oh, as that rank system, but I'm assuming it's probably somewhere around like high purple ranks, maybe like Tekken King or something like that. I would hope that if they do this, I I kind of don't like the fact that when you get to a high rank, all your characters just kind of bounce up. Mm -hmm. I don't like that, man. I kind of don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's going away, but they did say that, actually, I'll just read it. So the reset will not be a complete one, but rather a measured one, depending on the current standing of the player. So let's say if you're a Tekken God Prime now, you're not going to go back down to beginner, right? Because let's say if I am whatever, a an expert, right, in the blue ranks. And I go back down to beginner, like, there's no point in you and I playing because you'll mop me every time because obviously you're way higher of a rank than me. Uh, yeah, selecting those points. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm assuming if you're a Tekken God Prime, you'll probably go down maybe like a couple of ranks, like two or three ranks. And if I'm like a fighter rank, I'll, I might go down to like a high, like a grandmaster. So then I'll have to work my way back up. So I like the fact that they're taking it case by case, player by player, and doing somewhat of a reset, just not a complete one, to almost incentivize people, right? Like, hey, let's keep playing ranked, because you see a lot of these people that will achieve Tekken God Prime, and then they'll stop playing ranked. They're like, well, I beat the game, game yeah, over. Yeah, that does happen with people, yeah, man. Lastly, the new system, dubbed Tekken Prowess, 
will be debuted in season four. Michael Murray is quoted saying this, quote, Tekken Prowess is a value that offers a guide to show how skilled you really are. The Tekken Prowess value is made up of four elements, those being highest owned rank, total rank of all characters, play stats, and the number of matches played. The Tekken Prowess will be presented via the player's name as the color will change depending on the ranking. I thought that was really cool, especially when he mentioned like play stats. So things like like very difficult execution heavy things, like if you're doing like a perfect electric or maybe a taunt jet upper and other things, like those also factor into your Tekken prowess. So not just the fact that you're Tekken King with four characters or if you have 2000 matches played, but little stats like that also kind of score your overall rank with the Tekken prowess system. I thought that was an interesting thing that they put in there. So I'm interested to see That's how it a, works. Something that uh, kind of like Street Fighter Five does. Oh yeah? It shows... I don't know how it's called, but in RPGs, it would be like this skill allocation where you like, oh, you're you're really good defensive, uh, this, that. And it would show like, what are you really good at? And Street Fighter would kind of do that as like okay. a profile and the character. They kind of do something similar. They also show like Street Fighter. I think we've talked about it before where it does the whole, you are the 2000 oh, yeah. such and such number of that. So it kind of has something similar. I hope they do something more with theirs too. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. Yeah. I mean, Tekken also has that, right? Like they have like the three little stats for you like you can like sidestepping is a plus or something like that i wonder how good that is actually i felt like that was garbage for me but like i don't know it would be like you're very offensive and i'm like no i'm not it just (laughs) takes forever to open people up god damn it (laughs) so it's like i don't want to be offensive i just want to rush through these damn points man yeah yeah that's how i felt too i was just like it i remember it gave me some stats and i was like no that's no <laughs> that's not me <laughs> yeah that's not me exactly man yeah so we'll see they might they might reset that as well they didn't really say but we'll see mm. right now there's currently no official release date for tekken 7 season 4 update however more information will come this fall mm. and that is all for the fgc topic of the week a lot to dissect there right a lot of stuff what do you think anything catch your eye obviously we talked about netcode rebalancing all sorts of stuff man they don't have a date for that i thought they had a date for that man i almost thought it happened already man <laughs> actually you know what harada did future over here man yeah harada did touch on that he said i he said on the broadcast he said i actually wanted to bring this to you guys right now but due to covid and and other things we can't accommodate that but we'll have more information this fall, which is technically already fall. I mean, we got October, so mm. maybe. But uh, okay, yeah, I don't. I mean, I guess we have two months left, right? But I'm assuming that this will be out sooner than later. I, at least I'm hoping. Yeah. Well, so what you what, you gonna go back into it, man? I don't know if I would. I don't think I want to spend time. I don't really have time that much time as of recent. But I don't know if you do. Yeah. So. I, I'm more optimistic now than I was if they just said, Hey, look, we're going to put new moves in the game and we're going <laughs> to like, I, that's not what I wanted. But when Michael Murray we're said, slight. yeah, when Michael Murray said sort of right, not verbatim, but he said, listen, season three didn't pan out the way we thought. And we're, we noticed that when he said that, I was like, you know what? Okay. I, the fact that you acknowledge the fact that season three was the, the season that you really wanted or perhaps foresaw and it didn't work out and you want to make amends for that with season four plus the fact you're giving me netcode improvements plus the fact things like wi-fi indicator and you know as much as i don't like the daughter version of kunimitsu i still appreciate 
a new character that's somewhat of a legacy character. The stage is really good. Overall, <laughs> yeah, overall, the the announcements that they made were really positive in my eyes, and they made me rethink things. I was like, you know what? Let me give Tekken 7 another shot because I really enjoyed the first two seasons, and I didn't get burnt out until they came out with season three. And, you know, obviously there are other factors there that, like, I'm not really watching competitive play mm-hmm. because it's always online, and I don't really watch online play it's just it's just kind of like a stream archive to me now and i it's just it doesn't feel the same it doesn't have the same impact as far as when people are just actually sitting there and then there's pressure and there's a crowd and there's a lot more that goes into an offline event than just two guys competing so the online kind of takes away all that hype for me so not being a part of tekken has kind of been a bummer for me because listen as much as i like unist Claire is not the same game, both mechanically and the netcode is atrocious now compared to Unist. <laughs> which, I mean, listen, oh, Unist man. had terrible netcode, right? But Yeah, it, I don't remember that netcode being too good, man. <laughs> yeah, the fact that, like, I say Uniclair is worse than Unist, Unist wasn't good to begin with. But the fact that I can't play <laughs> Uniclair, that sucks because, you know, I can't, I don't really have a go-to game and it's a bummer. Yeah. So having Tekken come back and show me something like, hey, we want to make amends. Okay, yeah, the least I can do is give you a shot. Let me see what season four has to offer. If I go online and I'm like, hey, this is actually, it feels pretty good. And I see that they've made some implementations as far as balance. And, you know, these characters aren't completely overpowered. And I see some diversity online, which I would love. I would love to Mm -hmm. see a rank reset and a character reset as well, where it's like, okay, some of these older characters that aren't as good historically within the last, whatever, four, I guess, technically three years of the game, if they Uh, kind of come up and all of a sudden you see more of these characters, I think it'll be really good as a veteran player coming back. So yeah, I'm willing to give it a shot, but it's not like end all be all. Like if I go online, I'll be like, okay, the netcode is really good, but the game is still very unbalanced. I don't think I'll stick around, (laughs) but yeah, I'm willing to kind of dip my toes back in the water and if... You know, if it's the right temperature, I'll swim. But if it's not, I'm back out. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to let me know on that one because I don't think I'll be playing it anytime mm. soon. If I do, I'll let you know. But I don't think I'll be. Like, I'd like to play like a better version of Master Raven. That's for sure. She's a really funny character. Mm. But like that was like one of the few things that kept me from playing, kept me playing that game afterwards. I just kind of got kind of bored from it. But. I don't know. And I feel you, man. I feel you about the not having your fighting game. It sucks, man. Because, like, I had that at one point where, like, sometimes I I like playing different games. But, like, I, I have this, like, one sticky game where it was, like, Skullgirls. But sometimes, man, I won't play that crap, man. Sometimes you get too much brass knuckles to the head. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. tired of this game, man. It's, this game is cheap as hell, man. So, like, I, I definitely feel you there, man. And I, I had a point where I was trying to find, like, a more of a popular game that I could stick with. And Tekken was that game. Because, like, the thing with these small games is that I love playing, you know, play what you like, right? But it's hard to find them people to play with. <laughs> so. Yep. It helps a lot when you have a popular game, then you realize everybody's playing all the characters. You have a lot of people to play against. You got a lot to learn from all this. You could, if you do big, you get more possibility of getting some money too. So there's your, you know, the little icing on the cake. So there's a lot of cool incentives to playing these more popular games. And Tekken is definitely that one. It's just hasn't really been shining with all the things they've done. Like, Especially the Leroy issue too. That wasn't so good for them either. Yep. Now that I think about it, I think that's what we kind of left it on offline wise. <laughs> they left it on them Leroy events, man. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, you saw, was it Evo Japan 2020? Yeah. Yeah, man. Six out of eight in the top eight were Leroy. Oh, dude, that was terrible. Yeah, not good, but I am optimistic. I'm not like completely sold, but I'm more optimistic now than before all these announcements or announcements. And yeah, I'm I'm willing to give them another shot. And it, you know, it, it is a bummer. We were, we're actually talking about this at the top of the show. If we're ranking what we want in fighting games, I want good gameplay and I want mm-hmm. good netcode. And when you only get good netcode, like, listen, Fight of Animals has good netcode, but I don't really care for, like, playing animal memes, right? Like, it's fun, but, like, I want the characters that, like, are behind me now, right? Like, I want Paul Phoenix. I want I want to play Lily again. I want to play Kazuya. Like, I, I really, the characters really sell a game for me. So it's a it's a big factor, and I would love to come back to Tekken if it shows me that it's worth coming back to. Yeah, man, I I do want to I want to I have to slip it. I just have to. But hey, man, we had good netcode. We'd still be playing Persona, man. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> gotta slip that one in, man. Yeah, we had good netcode. We'd still be playing that game. That's for damn sure. And a PC port, obviously. <laughs> uh, hell yeah, hell yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know, actually, this is digress before we get to the non-fighting game topic of the week. All these Blaze Blue players. I have a problem with Blaze Blue players. <laughs> I'm going to put them all on blast. The fact that these Blaze Blue players. All these Blaze Blue players. And I'm not talking about tag. I'm talking about actual Blaze Blue players. All of them complain about their game. Oh, Chrono Phantasma is the best. Central Fiction was this. Oh, I like this version. Shut up. All of you shut up. <laughs> Because at least you get to play the game on PC. I'm over here. The only way I can play Persona 4 Arena is if I go and hook up my Dusty 360 and I have to buy a subscription to Xbox Live Gold or whatever. And, right. and then I'll probably won't even find a match. <laughs> yeah, you won't find nobody on there. <laughs> so all these Blade Yo, Blues players, Blade Blue player, they can suck it. Because at least you have a game. <laughs> at least you have a game to play. I'm over here just wishing I could play a game that I love but it's just unattainable. So it really is, man. The, the blaze will dude. the, all the games got into uh steam. They even bundled them up and put them in so many yeah. packages. It's like, come on, man, you got infinite blade. You got infinite blade blue, infinite blade blue, man. It's on sale every week. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. For real. It is, man. <laughs> they got tired of central fiction. Dude, they got tired of all their games, man. Some people I know still play Central Fiction, but like at the same time, I feel like they just don't care about the Blaze Blue series anymore. Because look at what they did to it. They did tag, and then that's it. What happened? No new more Guilty Gear getting some new. So what happened to Blade Blue? Well, no love. Oh, well. Right? So that's all for the fighting game topic of the week. All about Tekken. And yeah, I'm excited. But this one, I think, is more up in your alley. I actually watched fellow Hollywood member, shout out to Broken Wing, play this game. And this is the non-fighting game topic of the week. And I titled this as Genshin Impact, the new FGC craze. So what have we had so far? We had people play Fall Guys, right? And then yeah. and then they moved over to Captain Tsubasa. And then technically people are playing Among Us, but that's not so much an FGC thing. That's like just everybody, right? Everybody's playing Among Us. <laughs> yeah. But this yeah, one, man. I saw Hell Pockets play it. I saw, I think, I want to say Juicebox play it. A bunch of people on our Discord are playing it. And so this thing is called Genshin Impact. It was released on September 28, 2020. It's a free-to-play action role-playing game developed and published by Chinese developer 
MiHoYo. The game features an open world map for the player to explore four characters to control at one time and a total of 24 characters available to unlock. The early response from the FGC has been mostly positive with comparisons to gameplay elements seen in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, the Tales JRPG series, as well as gacha elements, which the, the FGC loves. They love that stuff. <laughs> they love that crap. I hate it yeah. so much. The game is currently available to download on Microsoft Windows, not Steam, PlayStation 4, and mobile, both on iOS and Android. Did you hear about this game at all? Genshin Impact? Uh, I actually heard about this game, I think, like a year ago. Oh, really? And, um, yeah, I, I, I heard about it, or maybe a year ago, but especially from the beginning of this year, I heard about it because it was another MMO. And I kind of kind of keep up with MMOs. So I heard about Genshin Impact being a thing. Everybody just said it was like really beautiful, such and such. I didn't really see any gameplay because it didn't show any. I haven't really played it or I didn't even know it kind of existed right now. Like, I don't know. I haven't kept up with it, but right. I knew it was a thing. So, I mean, it looks cool. Mm -hmm. I guess I, that's all I get. It looks pretty cool. I don't really. Is it like, do you have to pay for it? Is it free? Did they say? So you don't have to pay. It's free. But oh, okay. you know how gotcha games are. Like, I'm assuming if you want more characters, yeah. you have 24 total characters and you get your pack or whatever and you start off. But I think probably, don't quote me on this because I don't know much. I just saw people playing it and they were like, hey, this is cool. It's kind of like Legend of Zelda. It's got some Tales vibes mm. and everybody loves anime waifus, right? So I'm assuming you probably would have to pay down the line or maybe earn with in-game currency your characters or your party members but from what i saw graphically it looks pretty cool and the gameplay wasn't bad it reminded me a lot of you know elements from tales especially with some of the combat and yeah the fact that it's open world and you know i was watching broken wing play this on twitch the other night and it reminded me of you because you were talking about dragon quest and immediately when he popped into the game and he was like in these grasslands and the first thing he saw was this blue slime and he started hitting it and i was like oh hey that's it, right. it, it hey, seemed like slime. very jrpg thing right so this blue slime uh, just smiling at him and he started just beating it getting loot and he was off on his slime. merry way so yeah interesting game I say, I will say I have a beef with a lot of MMOs, especially their companies, because free to play, you know, we say free to pay. That's, mm -hmm. you know, that's what really come down to sometimes. I hope this develop the developers, the Mihoyo company, they do fine with their game because what happens with a lot of these good games, a lot of MMOs too, is that they come out free to play. And then it's like, it has a good game, good gameplay. It's, it's decent all around. But what happens is, is that, they notice that the model doesn't necessarily work too well. So they start adding more and more things, more bad gotcha elements like equipment yeah. that's like really, or like more, more everything. You can use more characters. You can use more this, more that. And sadly with MMORPGs, I feel like they've been stagnating like terribly, man. So I think, I think that's one of the reasons why people are interested in Genshin Impact. But I know for a fact that like it almost, I almost feel like MMORPGs in general the life expectancy of those is becoming much shorter with almost every new one because every time they release a new one, everything's going good, and then the developer does something stupid and he ruins the game right. completely. It's like, ah, it's a cash grab now. It's a loot, it's a gotcha game. And I don't I personally I like I like subscription-based games, even if that's expensive, because at least you know you're getting what you pay for. You like Final Fantasy 14, some people may not like it, a lot of people play it. It's a subscription-based game. It costs a little, a little too much for me, though, personally. But right. it's like fourteen bucks a month, right? But it's like at least you know what you're getting compared to like gotcha games. There was a game called I don't know if you ever heard of Blade and Soul. That game, I had a good friend, my buddy uh, Nice, he told me about how basically this it, 
It was really good gameplay. It had PvP. It had online tournaments. It had all kinds of stuff like that, man. But it ruined it because the developers got greedy, man. Mm-hmm. They got real greedy, and then they started doing all these, like, equipment packs and stuff like that. And you pretty much, if you wanted to be good in the game, you had to spend money. Oh, and yeah. that's I was like, oh man, it's a huge rabbit hole of just stuff. Like, and I hope that's not the case with this game, man. It, it looks good. I they don't gotta mess it up, but for some reason, especially with MMORPGs, I've become very um, what's the word? I'm so jaded with MMORPGs because mm-hmm. I want to play a really good one that kind of reflects the nature of what I like to play in my video game. I, I like to get into MMORPGs. I like to grind like crazy. I'm that I'm that dude that grinds like nuts and enjoys it. What happens is that it becomes like this thing where it's like if you're not spending the money, don't matter how much you play, it don't matter. So it's like ah, dude. Right. But correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I wrote this down right, but or wrong. But for when I read this, this isn't technically an MMORPG, is it? It's oh, it's not. I could have sworn it was, huh? So it's a, a normal RPG game. Well, from what I understood, is you can get to a certain level. And then it'll unlock co-op for you, but it's not. Oh, okay. It's not like an open world co-op, so like you can't play with everybody that just logs in online. It's just a an action RPG with gotcha elements, right? And you can play okay. co-op, but it's not like open world to for everybody to just join your server. At least that's the information okay. that I got. That's why I thought it was a little interesting that it's technically a standalone game, but it's free to play and it has that Ooh. mmorpg feeling to it but it also got like just regular jrpg vibes ah okay well yeah. i don't know then that might not work out for me personally yeah. i don't i don't think it'll work out i don't know man that's weird because then i don't know how they're like i don't know how they're gonna sustain that man yeah it's like, that is weird and yeah you, yeah, you touched on that too like once the developers see this like oh this free to play thing is kind of hard to sustain let me yeah. let me see if i can make some money and then they they start making things that you know they just game breaks and it's the balance is i mean I, I used to play not a lot of mmorpgs but i played one which was maple story back in the day right like and i think you and oh i talked boy. about it right yeah With, man i love maple story yeah. dude but damn they ruined that they game did. that's the perfect example <laughs> they definitely did like i played maple story then a time where i thought it was like the best time to play maple story it was like 2005 mm-hmm. to 2008 maybe like about 3 years and well, maybe 2009 and then i quit and then i came back after the big bang happened and they did the whole just changing of everything mm-hmm. the allure of maple story back in the day like 2005 is that it was hard and it almost like it was hard to a point to level up that it discouraged me to j- go grind and i would just go hang out and find people to talk to and then like i found like some like a cool crew to just hang out with We'd be in that, uh-huh. uh, what's that one town? Like Hennessy's or something like that? Yeah, yeah. man. That's what they call them Henny Hoes. <laughs> Henny Dude, I was a Henny Ho. <laughs> yeah. I definitely was a Henny Ho because I didn't want to. Okay, you couldn't find maps. They're all crowded. And I was like, I don't really want to yep. grind because if you die, you lose 8 to 10%. And that takes, that's hours. That hours, <laughs> hours. Yeah, that took hours. At level like 30. Yeah. And the max level was like 200. What the hell were they thinking? And it, yeah, so I would just go out, hang out with friends, and then eventually, right, we, okay, let's go grind, let's go do some quests, like, let's go do something. But it was fun because it was an actual MMORPG where, like, hey, I'm actually hanging out with other people. And then when they made the game easier, it became about damage, it became about all these crazy classes, and they expanded the world, all these new servers, all these new channels. Mm-hmm. It became a ghost town, literally just a ghost town. You would just be, it just 
you playing by yourself in a game that technically has other people, but you don't know where they're at. And then yeah. it's all about leveling. And what would they, they added like the, the thing that added like percentage or like potential, right? Oh, they added man. Potential. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, that was and the then cubes, cubes man. And it's all the cubes. They yep. ruined the game because it all became about damage. And yeah, it was a way to make money. But I remember the old days, man, like I think in like 2000 and eight i was trying to get to the you know how you had to get like and people that don't like play maple story have no idea what i'm talking about but you had to get to a place it was like the ice area and you had to get all the way to the top because you had to Hell nah. yeah you had to talk to the guy yeah, yeah. to talk to him about the third job right because level 30 was oh, your yeah, second yeah, job yeah, yeah, level yeah. 70 was your third job so in order to get to like that next job and get more skills and stuff you had to climb up and just because you're level 70 doesn't mean you're hot shit like you would still get destroyed by most of the things <laughs> yeah, so you had regular white yeti then you had the brown yeti and then you had the werewolves and then you had the other werewolf and it's like jesus this is such a climb it's so it's and then the music was really cool i just remember it was like one of my favorite mm-hmm. memories of maple story is trying to make this climb and we lost so many guys <laughs> on that way <laughs> you just see Dude. tombs everywhere and everybody's a ghost and like you can do it go <laughs> i was a sacrifice for you <laughs> Just climb on. <laughs> like they serve as distractions for the werewolves and stuff. It's like, hey, over here, just climb up. <laughs> Dude, I love I love that, man. I love that stuff so much. It was good memories back then, man. Dude, and I want to say, you just reminded me, one of the big things with MMORPGs now, like I mean, I went into a whole MMORPG thing without even knowing if Genshin Impact was. I swear it was because MMO dudes were talking about it, but I want to say It that might be. I, I might have gotten that wrong. Yeah, 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 maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. I don't I don't even know because I looked it up on my phone and I didn't see MMO, but maybe it's something similar to it or maybe it's just an RPG game. But if it's free, that's weird. But So I will say that one of the things that MMORPGs have done that made everything worse is it made everything kind of like easier to get. They've made it more. No, no, no. There's a, there's a specific word. They made it more accessible. Mm. So as soon as they became, they made everything more accessible, it took away everything. If you can go to a machine, like if you can go to a machine and you can just buy your item, there's no reason to vend or there's no reason to bargain with anybody if you can just go to a machine. In in MapleStory, they made the world huger. But what happened is is that it was so much easier to travel to each world now because you would just get on a a little airplane thing Mm. and it'd take five minutes before you had to get on a damn boat with so many other people yep. and it would take like 30 minutes and you had to time that mother freaking. You had to time, <laughs> you had to get to that boat on 1030, not oh, yeah. 1032, not 1029. You get there on 1030 and then you would go on a boat to get to another continent in said game. But now because they make things more accessible, especially with MMO now, everything is so much more accessible. Walking isn't a thing. You just teleport to the next place. Teleport. When I play Final Fantasy XIV, I realize they give me a quest. I'm just going to teleport to the next place. Mm-hmm. Teleport to the next. takes away a lot of things because the beauty is in the journey. When you yes. cut so many paths to get to the journey, you're not really having a journey. You're just hitting the destination every five seconds. And there's no the soul out, enjoyment man. in that. Yeah, man. They, and it happened with Maple Story, man. Yo, we can go all day about Maple Dude. Story. I love that game, I, man. Too, I played yeah. it. Dude, it was so fun, man. Two things, what like what you just said reminded me too. And I apologize for anybody listening that wants fighting is listen, we'll get to it. I just I'm very passionate about old school maple story. <laughs> Bro, right? It is. It's, it's a it's a it's a fighting game, I swear to you. <laughs> it really is. 
it, it has like the it used to have like the fighting game soul in it. I think that's why I liked it. It was this very like grassroots. The fact that it's hard and it's like unforgiving yeah, and the fact man. that like it was so unapologetic. I just remember dying and I'm like, I can't believe I spent all that time and I just died and now I have to do it all over again. Like <laughs> it was so brutal. Yeah, man. But you said like I think it was the trip to Orbis, right? You have to go from yeah, yeah, yep. Was it Alenia and then the Orbis and. You were right, man. Like, if you missed that, and sometimes I would get to the map, and then I would hear the horn, like, the da da and like, oh, no, I yeah, missed it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, the, yeah, the train is coming. Yeah. It's a boat, but it's like the train noise, like, mm-mm, yeah. you hear it, and it's like, oh, crap. Damn, I ain't got no flash jump. I ain't no uh, assassin. Yeah, exactly. I'm screwed, man. <laughs> I got no haste. And Yeah, man, no haste. Or no teleport if you're a mage. And I remember so many times I would get to that map, and I would just see the, the boat leaving. I'm like, no, and not you. Listen, you have to hold that. You have to wait there for 20 minutes. <laughs> So it comes back, and I just remember I love that. But the other really fun part about that ride is the fact that, like, if if this is your first time taking that ride and you don't know, hey, you better get back down to the cabin because, (laughs) you know, six minutes in, these Balrogs are going to come in, or Crimson Balrogs are going to come in and start just wrecking shop. And I remember I didn't know that first thing. And all of a sudden you hear the the music change and like, then it, then it, I was like, Oh no, this is terrible. (laughs) And it was, it was so fun to just experience that with all these people. We're all under leveled. We're just trying to get from point A to point B. And you would always have like that one guy who's like, he's brave. He's like, all right, I'm going to stay out here. I'm just going to hang out. Yeah. I see that dude. I'm like, hell no, that ain't me. (laughs) And it was just, it was so much fun to the the journey man you just touched on it's like the journey Dude, was what yeah, made, man. made that game and i was just like when you made it all about damage and you expanded mm-hmm. and you made the world too big and mm-hmm. the other thing that you said that really touched on me i used to always log in to the same server right because their characters were locked to one world or one server and yeah i always had just this way of doing things i would go to my world and then pick like channel 12 right i'd always go into channel 12 there's 20 <laughs> channels yeah and the cool thing about old maple story is everybody had those habits so you would find people that weren't even on your buddy list that you would just start walking around and be like hey it's that dude i've seen that dude before because we're on the same channel at the same time and it was actually so funny sometimes i would travel like across worlds like going from orbis to Elnath to back to victoria island and i would just walk and all of a sudden, I just see this dude. And I'm like, hey, what's up, dude? Like, like we're not even friends. But, like, I, I know his character. I know his tag. And it was just such a cool experience. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Dude. Good memories. Maple story. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good, man. It It's it's like you and, and, like, the new current Maple story, everything is expanded. Everything is huge. There's a big emphasis on open world. I don't give a damn about no open world no more, man. I hate open world because sometimes... Things are too big. Yeah. They're too big. They kill party the... quests. Like there's no need for them anymore. They, they, the game is so much of an emphasis on solo play style, and this is becoming a thing with a lot of games, even MMOs and games that can be multiplayer. There's such a big emphasis on the solo player. Mm-hmm. And one thing that really happened in Maple Story that ruined it was, yeah, they they killed things like party quests. Those don't exist. They do. Like it's still doing, but there's no reason to them. To do them when you got people that reach level one to two hundred in like ten hours, there's people that yeah. speed run that crap now, man. It's it's like every, they made everything too accessible. Everything is too easy. Everything is right there. 
You don't have to travel no more. You don't really have to walk, man. You just buy, spend some money, get a damn rock, teleport you wherever the hell you want to go. And that takes away a lot of the soul because there's so much things in the game of MapleStory. But when you realize, I'm just going to go to like five maps to grind, get my levels, my equipment, and I'm out. It's like you took away all of these maps that exist in the game. And it's like, what's the point anymore, man? Yeah. The goddamn soul is gone. Man. It is. It's same thing with fighting games, man. Like you yeah, said man. it. Like it's such a cursed word, accessibility. It's I'm telling you, like it's a cursed idea because you're taking away the need for me to work. That was one of my appealing things or the appealing traits mm-hmm. of MapleStory back in the day is that it was hard, it was grueling, and the fact that it didn't show you anything. It just said, "Hey, you're on Maple Island. You suck. You can't do any damage. All these other <laughs> noobs are gonna pop up." Go kill some things. Get to level 10. Oh, by the way, it's going to take you 10 hours. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then go talk to the guy. If you have enough money, go buy a ticket. And hopefully you find your way if you read the text because most people skip it. And then they take the black taxi and they show up in Sleepy Wood. And they're like, oh, no, right, this sucks. Right. Oh, they get bodied body by the goddamn. I forgot what those <laughs> eel things are, man. Hilarious. Yeah. Man. And that, but that was so fun. Like, that was really what made that game just the experience of that game, right? And it it wasn't about the damage and the skills and the classes. It was about just camaraderie and just having Mm -hmm. fun. And the, like just the journey is like, nobody wants to get to level 200. If you're alone at the top, like you want to be, it's a whole point of like the MMO part, right? You want to be with other people and they made it a single, like, it's crazy that they made, a multiplayer game, a single player experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. I want to say too, man, that they um they made that such an emphasis and the accessibility. It's kind of like you have you have like okay, so picture this: you have ten people you don't like, but you have a boss you really don't like. You know what that means? The people you don't like, they're gonna come together and they're gonna probably learn how to deal with the boss they really don't like. It's like something that comes from the struggle of like dealing with an unfortunate situation that come brings people together so like the game in itself is this unfortunate situation where no one's really going to grind that long because it takes so long so that makes people come together mm-hmm. that's why guilds were a big thing too oh, people yeah. were all adding with people that was a big thing and another thing is that it's weird because you cannot make that happen again there's private servers that bring the old like the old version of maple store before the big bang they have they're a server just for that and it it's not the same man no. because in those servers too they try to th- make things more accessible and it's like you can't like it's it's gone man like you know you can't recapture that but let's be real if that joint came out like that that would be hella fun i'd be playing that man <laughs> yeah um shit maybe me too i i just remember it was a, it was a great time to be playing that game but it's just like doing like kerning city like the party quest the, yeah, the alligators and like then the big slime at the end or the jump quest with everybody it was just uh, it was a great time to be playing that game and i remember i tried it again like in 2014 when they added another class and they were like hey they sent out an email be like hey uh we know mm-hmm. you're like a long time account so we gave you a bunch of stuff and i was like okay you know what how about i just try it and then when i got in i was just like jeez first of all you can get to like whatever level you want super quick like no work yeah, needed yeah. whatsoever you can now you can make female characters even though you're a male remember they used to lock that like if you were a male if you put like male oh, on the yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, you could yeah, only yeah, make yeah. male characters now you can go switch back and forth you can make a million characters i remember back in the day Ooh, you could only make three <laughs> Like that was it. Yeah. 
You got three slots. That's all you get. If you want to make more, you better make a new account or you go to a different world. <laughs> but now you can make yeah, that, 20 if you want. Yeah, dude, it's accessibility. It's nuts, man. Yeah, it's accessibility. It's it's wanting to make something easier for everyone else. It's like, no, nah, but man, we don't like you can make things easier, but don't take away like so much from it. Like, and that it's just stripping the meat out of my, my chicken, man. Yeah. Don't take all my chicken out of my my meat, man. I didn't order boneless. <laughs> I want it with the bone, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot to mention, uh, which is funny, but when you logged in, you get oversaturated, saturated, oversaturated, <laughs> oversaturated with so much updates and events oh, and information. Yeah. It's like, God damn, leave me the F alone. I just want to play the game, man. What's all this crap? Yeah. I can't stand that either, man. <sighs> rest in peace. Good good old Maple Story, man. Yeah, rest in peace, dude. But anyway, we, we took a bit of a, a turn there <laughs> for Maple Story. <laughs> but yeah, Genshin Impact. Uh, it might be an MMORPG. It might not. It's an interesting idea. I just see some FGC people playing it, so I figured I'd bring it up. But we'll see. Maybe it's... Uh, a fleeting thing or maybe it's here to stay we won't know now we move on to some relevant game sales uh we didn't have a lot last week i don't believe but this week we actually got a few so the first two are going to be announcements so street fighter 5 champion edition is planning to welcome another character this winter as part of it's part of the game's fifth season and dan hibiki which everybody loves dan dan was shown during tgs 2020 and there's currently a character overview trailer available online street fighter 5 fans should expect to see jan or Jan to see to see Dan <laughs> to see Dan join the game in either November or December. Again, I don't understand why they don't give you a concrete timeline or a date, but whatever. Yeah, that's weird, man. Power Rangers Battle for the Grid is also gonna welcome its third character and final character to the game's third season pass in Scorpina, one of the most infamous villains from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Scorpina is set to join the roster on December 8th, 2020. You're not hyped for Scorpina? <laughs> I don't even know who that is, man. There's so many like... Oh, wait. Is... Oh, wait, 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 wait. Is that the woman? The uh, Asian-looking woman, I wonder? I have no idea. Not sure. I don't even remember, man. But... Uh, I didn't watch the trailer, I think the... to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I should, I'll give it a watch one uh, one day if I remember. The, the Street Fighter Five stuff is cool, though. Dan, hey. Yeah, Dan's coming. And we already know all the characters that are coming, right? So it's going to be Dan, Rose. Uh, and Oro. Yeah, Oro. Oro right? And then the girl from Rival Schools. Rival Schools? Really? Yeah. Yeah, so they, they kind of, I remember they went through the whole roadmap. And so Dan is going to be first. And all those other characters will be throughout this year and next year. All right, Xbox Series X and S game announcement. Samurai Showdown has finally been announced to come to Microsoft's new gaming console coming this holiday season, the Xbox Series family. SNK did not specify a date. However, the company did promise to bring the game over in winter of 2020. So, Sam Show for Xbox. Hey, that's that's good. I, I appreciate that SNK is doing the right thing and putting their games all over the damn place, mm -hmm. man. All right, here's the big ones, though. Steam sales. Hey. Guilty Gear XX Axon Core Plus R, which is the game I'm playing right now for review, super fun, is a part of the Fanatical Sale Brawler Bundle 2. This bundle also features Double Dragon 4, Dive Kick, which is also kind of a fighting game, Shark Attack, Kings of Kung Fu, and Hive Jump. This bundle currently goes for $2.99 and is available through Damn. October 12, 2020. Yeah, super, super cheap. That's a good-ass deal. Yeah, yeah. That's a good-ass deal, man. Arcana Heart, three love max, three exclamation points, 
is one of the four fighting games bundled in the Fanatical Sale Arc System Works bundle. The bundle also features Undernight and Birth EXE Late, so two versions ago of Undernight and Birth. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't know why that one is, but I mean, probably because it's just an older version. Guilty Gear X2 Reload, Guilty Gear Isuka, and Inferno Climber. I don't think Inferno Climber is a fighting game, but it's also in that bundle. This bundle currently goes for $3.99 and is available through October 8th, 2020. So some oldie games, but I mean, for $4, tough to beat. Yeah, hey, uh, Arcana Heart 3 like, might be worth yeah. $3. I don't know about the Guilty Gear games. <laughs> yeah. And if you're going to get O'Neill, you basically have to play, you have to buy the new one, right? You have to buy, uh, this is the one before Clear? I don't remember. ST? Lunist? Yeah. ST, you see. Because those are like two separate games, right? Technically. I mean, they're expansions, but I mean, if you're going to like EL, uh, you might as well skip ST, even though I think ST is a superior game, both the CLR and EL, but you might yeah. as well just skip ST and just go straight to CLR. Yeah. I would assume. That's true. And, and it's like, if you never played the Unio, you could kind of try it on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for four bucks and then you get all these other games. For all you know, Infernal yeah. Climber is going to be your favorite game out of that bundle. <laughs> <laughs> right, dude. All these other games are garbage, but Inferno <laughs> Climate, oh. That's the real deal. Skullgirls is a part of the Fanatical Sale Indie Greats Bundle. And just to mention, Skull, this is Skullgirls. This is not First Encore. This is not Second oh, Encore. Man. This is just regular Skullgirls. The bundle also features seven more non-fighting game titles, such as Dear Esther, which I played. It's kind of like a walking simulator. It's okay. Oniken, which I have not played, and others. This bundle currently goes for $2.49 and is available through October 13th, 2020. So you get eight games for less than $3. Nah, I think that's a good kind of... You could try Skullgirls too if you don't... If you you kind of have an idea of the original Skullgirls, you might like the game in general because it gets better from the uh, newer ones. So I think that's like a good bundle. Yep. All right. We're winding down and these are the rollback questions of the week, right? I had to roll these back for... Because you know what? I was, I think I started answering them and I was like, I don't, some of these questions are okay for me to answer by myself, but some of them, they kind of need two people. So that's why I kind of wanted to wait it. So I rolled these questions back from last week. I apologize. I didn't solicit any questions for this week. When I come back from Florida, we might have a delay with the podcast, depending on when I come back and we'll see how scheduling works. But I I will reach out for questions next week. So don't think I forgot. It's just I wanted to get from the questions for last week and answer them on this week's podcast. All right. First question comes from Zio, who we all know in the Hollywood Discord. And he asked on Patreon, where's King of Fighters 15? (laughs) Oh, really? Yep. Every week. It's going to be a tradition here until the game comes out. It's going to be a tradition. (laughs) (laughs) Also, more expansive topic, which fighting game waifu from IPs that will never, ever come back will you miss most? Why isn't your immediate answer Hanzo from Yagatarasu? <laughs> and do you realize that answering Arena from Waku Waku 7 will forever flag you as a furry? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't even know what Waku Waku 7 is. What I is don't that? know. I, I, I was thinking of Wakfu, but that's like another game. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know, man. Well, he didn't really give us much of an answer there. Like, I mean, I guess if I don't pick Hanzo from Yagatarasu, I guess I can't pick anyone. Yeah, man. Hanzo or Bust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Brute Slayer on Patreon also asks, between you guys, who would win in a first to 10 in Tekken 7, Persona 4 Arena, Ultimax, and Unist? 
That's interesting. Ooh, I don't know. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta set it up. Yeah. Now, so they, they set, they set the table for us. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd totally be down. So I don't know. You had, you didn't play much Eunice, did you? Nah, man. I played Mika for like I don't know, man. A couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> I learned one combo, and I was like, I'm done with this game. Right. So I think I probably could beat you in Eunice just because I have hundreds of hours in that game. And yeah, you probably could, man. And I play a lot of Akatsuki, and I, I kind of got somewhat decent with Akatsuki. Not like godlike, but somewhat decent. But Tekken 7 and Persona 4 Arena, those would be more up in the air. I don't know. Yeah, man. I ain't played Persona in Yeah, years, I was going to say, man. we're so rusty. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do nothing in that game no more, man. <laughs> yeah, so. Tekken 7, though, I actually would, like, I remember playing that game. Yeah, so who knows? Hey, Season 4, we might be able to make it happen if the net goes good. Yeah, I was about to say that, man, because, like, the way, we, the only thing we could really play is O'Neal and then the net code not even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe after this 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 uh this Tekken 7 patch, maybe man, we could set it up. Yeah, I'd be down. All right, Dario Spina on YouTube asks, I really enjoy playing fighting games, and a lot of them too, and I really want to get good, but I really enjoy my school major and I enjoy other things. He enjoys a lot of things. <laughs> that man said I got a busy ass life. <laughs> How do I balance doing all these things? This isn't even like a fighting game question. This is like a life question. How do you how do you balance when you have a lot of things cooking? Just drop everything and play fighting games and <laughs> get like rich and just get like Daigo level and you'll make it, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> Terrible advice. I was going to say, I, don't follow that. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible advice, dude. I personally, man, I, I barely play fighting games and I have a lot to kind of balance nowadays. I think the best way is really to, if you really want to keep playing fighting games and that's your thing, you can always like at least try to dedicate an hour or so of it every day or every other day or something progressively be able to keep playing it's just sometimes it's also your priorities like if you have like if you got to do your major you got to do school prioritize that first because you know that will you know taking eight ten nine eleven might drop and you might be living in the gutter you don't want to live in the gutter when all these games just keep dropping you know what i mean so it's important to value the the more important things like your education and life and relationships before you balance out like video games and when you do want to try putting in those game hours you can always try to clock in an hour is all you probably got to do, really. Yeah, you hit it. There's a um, Alex Valle. I remember I, I popped in when he was playing Street Fighter 4 one time. And he was, I think he got like a similar question. Somebody would be like, hey, man, I really want to get good at 4, but I'm also in school and I don't know how to balance it. And he was telling a story about how after he played Street Fighter Alpha... Right. He was around 20 or in his like early 20s. And then he started thinking, like, OK, I probably should get a job. And I think he said he's like, I got a job at Pepsi or like a Coke. And it was a good job. And he was like, you know what? I was really debating with myself. Do I get this job just because it's good money and it could help me financially? Or do I just try to just dedicate? my skill and fighting game and hopefully that'll take me somewhere and he kind of came up with the answer of this like man fighting games will be there they'll they'll be there yeah. when you come back so you can go sort out life stuff whether it's a job or relationship or school or whatever and fighting games will wait for you like we ain't going nowhere we might might not be like esports level by the time you come back but we'll be here whether it's in basements yeah. or on grand stages we'll we'll be <laughs> we'll be around <laughs> so just go do what you want man go i mean fighting games will They'll wait for everybody. Yeah, man. And to the and the getting good part, I mean, honestly, dude, that stuff getting good is like what is kind of like what you think getting good is. It could be you want to get good so that you're hitting championship level. That those guys, man, those guys sit there and they play fighting games for like hours, man. Yeah, that's they, a career. It's like almost like a 
yeah, that's like, yeah, that's like a career, like a full-time job. So if you're trying to compete with those guys, that might not be likely. But hey, at the same time, you know, you, you could you could get good too. You could get to that level if you know how to like utilize your time as well. If mm. you get better, time management is such a hard skill, man. We all we all need to learn how to get better at that stuff. So you could definitely get better, but you got to be kind of realistic too, because like. Like I said, those dudes spend hours upon hours. Like, I wanted to get really good in Skullgirls, but I'm like, man, am I going to dedicate six, five, seven, eight hours? And life starts happening. It's like, man, I can't really. Every once in a while, I can play, and I've gotten a lot better. But it's like, you know, you got priorities, man. That stuff, you know, you can press pause in the game. You can't press pause in real life. I agree. Next one comes from Hikari on YouTube asks, or oh, I lost him. Oh, there he is. Who <laughs> who are your favorite players for each game you follow? Minor Tokido for Street Fighter, Book, Little Majin, and Ryan Hart. I'm assuming for Tekken. Do you have favorite players for fighting games? Uh man, I really like Daigo, to be honest, man. Daigo? Not because of his play style, but more so because the guy, like whenever I notice him, it, it seems like this kind of person. I read his book, man. It's actually a pretty good book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> a little biography thing. Um it's really cool because like when I read it, it's like it's this dude that basically sucks. Like he just is he's not that good at it. Kind of reminds me of myself. I'm very slow at learning a lot of new things. And that goes like from contrary to what people believe, he's actually a very slow learner. People don't really know that. Hmm. He's slow, he's real slow, not that bright with a lot of things. So basically, the way he kind of countered that is from just hard work, a lot of hard work, a lot of playing a lot, a lot of grinding and stuff like that. So I really appreciate that when it comes in. I don't really think I have, I wouldn't even say he's that much of my favorite player, but I do like him a lot for that reason. But I think like my favorite player is probably myself. <laughs> <laughs> I put myself in that re- that regards where it's like, I'm my favorite player because I know that I can do anything I want to do. Yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah, and Daigo, he, is, he might be a popular answer, but that doesn't mean he's not a good answer, right? A lot of people say yeah, Daigo is like, well, you know, but yeah, I mean, there's a reason why he's a good answer is because the dude put in work. So yeah, Daigo's a really cool story. Yeah, and I hate Street Fighter Five, <laughs> so like I'm a, like you know I hate that game. So seeing him play it, he's evolving constantly. He's always trying to change how he plays. A lot of players they don't like to do that. They just stay the same, and it's like you got to evolve. And he's always evolving. I like that because like in my head, I'm like, isn't that what you're supposed to do? But that's not really the, usually people want to just go with the winning strategy. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. My favorite player is a player that you can, you can't even find anything of. Right. So there's a me, right? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Go Pringle ahead. archives. <laughs> right. uh, no, it's a, it's a Tekken player who plays Lily and, but he's not a, He's not a consistent player or like a full-time player. And I think he must be like a salary man or something that just like God, God like, but he's like, he's just play, plays Tekken on the side. And his, he used to go by the name forward, like F O W A R D, like without the R. Mm. And he used to play Lily at such a high level, but he was like a mystery player where like he would only show up on, boss, man. Yeah, he, he would only show up on like streams of other people playing so if like knee was playing and he was on the other side of the arcade cabinet then that's when you would see him or if he was playing online against high level korean players that's when you would see him but he wouldn't stream he didn't have a youtube channel he wouldn't travel to tournaments he wouldn't go play at local korean tournaments but he was the best lily player that nobody ever knows like nobody knows where he's coming from. and then all of a sudden he yeah and and then he all of a sudden he came back and he changed his name from forward to just the initials fwd 
And this dude, do you know who iMusician is? The Yoshimitsu player? Yeah, 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 the Yoshimitsu player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's always streaming and stuff like that. Yeah, Yoshimitsu, or rather iMusician, has an archive out right now that you can go watch on YouTube. It's a set, it's a deathmatch between him and Forward, and Forward just showed up to play a deathmatch. It's like, I think it's three hours. The final score was uh, 46 to 19 forward. And that's how good this Lily player is. He doesn't play like any other Lily player. Like this dude, he puts everybody to shame that plays this character. And I try to like kind of mimic his style because of how good he is. But it's amazing to me that you have a godlike player who has really just almost maximized the potential that this character has. (laughs) And... He's not even a full-time player. He's, he just seems like he just kind of does it on the side. And the fact, when I saw him go toe-to-toe with Nii in a first of 10, it was like 10-7 for Nii. And then mop forward, like 46-19. to 19. I mean, come on, dude. How good do you have to be? Or mop, rather, iMusician. 46-19. to yeah. 19. When iMusician is known to be like a competitive player on the scene, this dude is the best player nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> so, Dude, that's... He's the uh he's that dude when you beat the boss and you're like ah body disaster and then the dude the hidden boss comes and you think you was fun yep. you having fun boy <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah man hidden boss status man I, I I like that status I want that status <laughs> yeah. no it's godlike the fact that he can pop in pop out and just kind of show people like hey I'm still here <laughs> so yeah man you ain't like... you ain't nobody because mm-hmm. <laughs> I ain't nobody you lose... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep you lose no nobody right now. So yeah, shout outs to Forward. I, I hope maybe with Tekken 8, he comes back and actually, you know, gives us some more matches. But as of right now, I haven't seen him. He kind of quit the game with season three as well. <laughs> <laughs> he said, nah. He's like, it's probably the Lily change. Yeah, I was going to say, he's like, she's like too bad. Here, <laughs> she's too bad. I can't yeah, compete. Dude. This next question comes from John Ford, and I really like this question. He asks on YouTube, what are the most interesting favorite character archetypes in your mind? So there's Zoner, Grappler, Shoto, Puppet. There's also like item characters and any any archetype that you can think of. What's the character archetype that's your usually that's your go-to? I actually don't try to pick off preferences anymore. I just try to pick whatever I feel is the most I can be creative with. But I will say that I, I tend to I don't know, man. I'm so weird lately with character picks. I'll pick an item character one day, then I'm picking the zoner. Then I'm picking the pressure. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty weird when it comes to it. But I will say that I've had the most time. And I would say maybe it's my favorite, but I can't say. But I have the most time with uh, pressure-based characters. Because, like, mm-hmm. there's a very interesting thing about these pressure-based characters. Sometimes people say, oh, they're just brain dead. The really good people that know how to use those really good pressure-based characters is that they can keep being so aggressive. And then when you're aggressive, you can kind of tell a lot of what the person is going to do. What's he thinking and how is he going to react to what you're doing, which is such a it feels like this weird controlling thing. I get it's like a see, this is where it's all. I have an ego. This is where it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I have a control power fantasy thing and I love having control in my matches. But that's one thing I really do like about those aggressive, aggressive type characters, because in a way they can control it. But then. I have this thing also where whenever I pick a character that is a specific archetype to whatever it is, I try not to play it to what the character's strengths are in that regard. That makes sense. So like if I have a zoner, I'll try to play a zoner more aggressive. If I have Hmm. a grappler, I might not be as grabby. If I have a shoto, I probably might be more aggressive. I'm that I'm like I try to be it different with how the character is presented because it gives it makes me feel like I can become more creative with the tools I'm given. It's like it's sure it tells me I can hado, I can DP, 
basic this is the basic game plan i don't want to pay play the basic game plan that's boring and whack yeah i want to play my own way so yeah i agree i actually like doing that as well i'll say i don't like similar to you i don't have a character archetype that i always go to rather like i'm very influenced by characters themselves i will say i have a sweet spot like if we're talking like martial arts based game i have a sweet spot for like muay thai and fighting games oh dude yeah man i have a sweet spot for boxers man mm. <laughs> yeah i just i really like that specific martial art so that's why even if like i probably wouldn't play the character otherwise if they are showcasing really cool muay thai things that's why i really like adon and tree fighter even though a lot of people don't like mm -hmm. adon because his, <laughs> you know, his Muay Thai, as, as annoying Adon is, you know, whatever you want to think of his personality, yeah, screaming, all that. If you look at his Muay Thai, that shit is pure. Like, it's pure Muay Thai. Even, I would say, more so than Sagat. Like, Sagat is, he has a lot of Muay Thai elements. But when you talk about pure Muay Thai, like, I think Adon is a better demonstration of that. That's why I really like playing him in that game. But I don't really look for archetypes. What I like doing is I like picking matchups. For example, in Persona 4 Arena Ultimax, a difficult matchup for the swordless version of, of Shominazuki was Yukari because she could keep him at bay. Really, she, she could basically use her aerials and he has to kind of stay on the ground. And yeah, he can teleport back and forth, but if she's in the air, it's very difficult for him to to catch her, especially because she spends a lot of time in the air. And Oh man, I love Yukari, dude. I don't really like the character. See, that's one of the, just uh, sorry, but no, it's one of those things. I, I don't really like Yukari's character, but the way you can play her, she's like this character. That, well, I will say that's the cool thing about Persona Ultimax too, though. They know how to make characters. Mm -hmm. So you have Yukari, which is like this zoner, but like she can just jump all over the she's goddamn a frustrating, field. And, yeah, frustrating zone. Yeah, yeah, and she and she could pressure really well, so she could be a mixture of so many different things. That's the awesome part, right? Like, so Yukari can pressure a character like Labrys, who just has mm -hmm. a difficult time defending, but she can't pressure like Shominazuki. Like, it just, she'll lose that battle. Cause I mean, you're going to pressure the pressure character. That's not going to work. Cause if you miss, yeah. he's going to, you know, he's going to kill you. So, cause then you got to stay on the ground. He's going to knock you down. He's going to put you in the loop over and over, right? And then you have to just respect the wake up. And especially in Persona, cause if you DP, you die. And, <laughs> right. but if Yukari decides, decides to play, zoner against Shominazuki, the swordless version no persona so he can't teleport can't doesn't have really good projectiles no super that's a tough matchup but like it's a cool challenge so that's why i like it okay mm -hmm. she's gonna obviously keep away from me and i'm a rushdown character let me see if i can make this work and that's what makes that game interesting so i say that i think i'm more intrigued by matchups than i am by character archetypes good question yeah, man. Yeah, that's a good one man this one I think we talked about a couple weeks ago, but it came came from Chris the Chilled on YouTube. He asks, "Is Master Roshi a good choice in fighters? He plays differently compared to <laughs> yeah. he plays differently compared to the rest of the cast. I think he could have been easily replaced by someone else. I think he mentions the fact that, or no, rather you mentioned it. You know how he doesn't have that super dash, but he has like the yeah, reverse man. Kamehameha mm -hmm. to move him forward. And he's got some yeah. tricky stuff that a lot of these normal fighters don't. I think we talked about it. I think he's a good choice. But you know, something that I was thinking about more is something you said a couple weeks ago. Dragon Ball Fighters fans might not be Dragon Ball fans, but they might be Dragon Ball Super fans. And maybe that's yeah, the character yeah. they want. <laughs> yeah, dude. I haven't seen him fighting, but yeah, he's a real good choice. He He's like, the he's like he's kind of like a face of Dragon Ball. You know, he's like, he's very important. Mm -hmm. I think the reason why he says that, Chris says that, is because he probably got hit with some gimmicky ass <laughs> stuff from Roach, man. 
Does he hit you? He probably does, man. Rushy probably got some gimmicks. Oh, yeah, yes, for man. sure. Nobody knows the matchup yet. I don't know if you saw this, just to digress a little bit, but somebody on Twitter said about the new character in Grand Blue Fantasy. Is it Belial or Belial? Yeah, yeah. Belial, Belial. Yeah. yeah, I've seen him. But anyway, everybody's saying, oh, he's too good. He's broken. He's OP. And everybody's like, oh, we got to ban this character. He's only been out for a day, but ban him. He's too good. <laughs> man, none of y'all know the match. That's yeah. what that is, man. So maybe Chris just got hit with a dirty Roshi mix-up. And he's like, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I think the fact that he plays different is always a good sign because they're willing to sacrifice the stuff you already remember or know and change it up which is good for mm -hmm. like because you don't like the developers are people too they want to get creative with stuff too yeah it's not good when they boxed up so yeah and people she was an op right from the start but you know people gave the same type of reaction when Videl came out right They're like oh she's very different than oh yeah that's true yeah, so yeah. yeah i think different is good Vincent Anderson asks on YouTube, what are your expectations for season four of Tekken 7? So unfortunately, so this would have been a good question for last week, right? But we already kind of yeah. talked about all of it. So just to summarize, my expectation is for the netcode to be better, the balance to be improved, and hopefully we'll see a resurrection of some lower tier characters. But all of that is obviously TBD. Mm -hmm. Ramses Fernandez on YouTube asks, not a very important question, but do you think fighting game companies, especially Arxis, will stop using fully 2D sprites at some point to go for 3D sprites in all of their games? I have nothing against 3D sprites for games, but I really like the 2D look of games like Blaze Blue, Persona 4 Arena, and I don't want them to be a relic of the past. I Are 2D sprites, I'm assuming, are they more expensive to do than 3d sprites uh well the, i think it depends on how it's made hmm. so i guess in the case of these 3d sprites it might be just as much but I, the thing with like a lot of 2d sprites is that it ends up being hand-drawn or hand animated oh, or whatever yeah. like skullgirls was hand-drawn which causes it to be much more expensive kof 13 was hand-drawn as well i don't know about persona but yeah i'm not too sure about that but i think the reason why they're going about this is because they want to kind of take their graphic fidelity to a whole nother level. And like Guilty Gear is kind of like the guinea pig for that stuff. Hmm. Okay. I think they might keep Blaze Blue the way it's been. Uh, hopefully they do, because I feel like that's the kind of like the, the difference between Guilty Gear and Blaze Blue. It's always, it's not supposed to look like that. They're supposed to look different. I hope they do do that, but I don't, I don't know. I hope they don't stop using 2D, but. It's really cool because the thing with 2D2 is that it can be kind of like, like, let's say, for instance, uh, what's a game that looks kind of weird? Um, uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken. It looks kind of weird. Everyone looks so oily in that game. I don't know what it is, but like everyone just dipped in, o in lotion. Right? <laughs> yeah. Dipped as hell in ocean, lotion, man. Right? Yeah. And like the thing with that is that the game doesn't age well graphically for that reason. But then you take a game like KF13, it it ages very well because it's just all 2D animated. Mm -hmm. You don't have to take it into account of the 3D uh, aspect. So maybe, maybe, maybe they will keep the 2D, or maybe they won't. Hopefully they do, and it's still like you know we got some 2D games and we got some 3D games. But it does look like I will say that it looks like a lot of games are just kind of going the 3D route. Street Fighter kind of took off. They did it with Ultra Street Fighter Four. Tekken, of course. I'm not, let me see what other popular games. Mortal Kombat's pretty much been gone off that yeah. route. So I don't know, man. Hopefully, Guilty Gear is pretty much going to stick around like that. I, uh, KOF 14 went 3D and 
boy, that was ugly. But <laughs> you know, they went that route and it's man, I swear they should have just went. Oh my, why did they go 3D? I don't know. I don't but know. that's for another day. But like, <laughs> yeah, so who knows, man? I, I I think it's a price thing too, man. It's definitely like an expensive mm, thing. How sure. you spend your yeah, your finances. And you know, you just mentioned 2D. I, I would argue if it's done well, it doesn't age. And a good example yeah, would be, man, seriously. you know how like Final Fantasy VII just got that remake. Listen, that Final Fantasy VII needed a remake because it's hard to go back to Boy. that game. But you know Boy, what a game... game <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? But you know what a game that doesn't need a remake because you can go back to the original is Chrono Trigger. Like that game doesn't age. Yeah, you're right, dude. The pixel art is a really good in Chrono Trigger, so that they, that game can stick around. I mean, they pour it on every goddamn console or man at this point. So it, and it still is fine the way it is. But Final Fantasy VII, on that note, they it's gone through like two major, two graphical changes, I think. And then they also there's people that made a fan graphical change looks so much better than anything uh enix has done man that a bunch of fans yeah there's it's a uh, i think it's called for anyone that wants to look it up it's called the remaco remaco something like that so it's like a, a, um a fan base patch on the steam version or whatever mm-hmm. or maybe like on a pc or whatever i don't know but you can do it and it makes the game look so much better but it's still like one of those things where it's like man you play final fantasy 7 that game is ugly. that's an ugly ass game man we got i mean man real with that that's a Bugly game, yeah. man. The PS1 crazy. graphics went yeah. through like like puberty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's it's crazy because if you look at seven, then you look at nine. Nine looks so much better than seven, mm-hmm. man. It, it, that's funny as hell. Yeah. So two two D sprites. I mean, yeah, they it's very difficult. Like I don't see thirteen. Like it could be twenty thirty, and people are gonna go play KOF thirteen and be like, oh, this game's ugly. You can't say that. Yeah. Yeah, man. All right, three more. Oh yeah, we didn't say that we had a baker's dozen. We were we were close. We had yeah. We were too short. Well, I can dozen. make it. I can make it a baker's dozen. I got. I got one. Then. Sweet. All right, Ganime. Is that how you say that? Ganime. Yeah, I think. <laughs> On YouTube, asks what would be needed in your own ideal fighting game. Good neck code, man. Yeah, I was gonna say we kind of answered code. that. Yeah. Fun gameplay. Let <laughs> me just say the first five things. Yeah, start the first. Good neck play. Good under. Good characters. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Man. Yeah, we kind of answered that at the top of the a show. Soul, man. That, soul. There we go. A soul. God damn it. It needs a soul, man. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Give me back that Maple Story soul back in two thousand five. Yo, for real, man. God, oh, pretty Maple Story, man. I wish, man. I sometimes wish I could go back and play it the way it was. Yeah. Man. All right. Pagan on Discord asks, say you're given the power to cross over any two IPs together and make a fighting game out of it. Which two IPs would it be? I think I would probably pick Tekken. Cross Street Fighter? No. No, 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 no. I don't want that. See, I kind of want to say Tekken Cross KOF, but KOF has a lot of people, a lot of characters that are very fireball heavy, but they also have really cool martial arts in that series so if i could pick obviously i'm cheating here with a caveat i would say tekken cross kof but no fireball heavy characters they can have a fireball but make it suck and i just want to see martial arts so all those martial art cool characters that they have in kof move them over to tekken and do them right but leave geese howard out (laughs) leave his ass leave the geese out yeah no goose i got i got two right here i got persona and i definitely want blaze blue (laughs) i know that sounds stupid (laughs) but i want it done right yeah 
Like, I want it full ass. I think that would have been great if the characters were full, man. Yeah. And then I would say I'd want Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear. I don't, there's always been something about those two games where it's like, why haven't they just came together, man? Right. Yeah, that is that'd true. Be really cool, man. Yeah, that'd be really, I think that'd be really cool for like, now which, Guilty Gear and Blaze Blue to just be its own thing. Which, okay, so let, let's just take Persona and Blaze Blue. If you're taking those two games, what, what system are they playing on? Like, what, Rule set persona rules or blaze blue rules? Man, that's a good question, man. Mm, man, persona rules got like stat debuffs. You <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> got status elements and stuff like that. I don't know about that one, man. I'll, they can keep that somewhere else, but <laughs> I think blaze blue rules are good. But I think the problem with blaze blue rules is that like it's kind of boring for me. And so, like, I don't know how to say it, but like, for, for instance, the combo damage in Blaze Blue is pretty the same across the board of every goddamn character. Mm. It's like 3K, 5K, counter hit damage, that's it, really. And then you set up an Oki, and the Oki's pretty dry. I think that's where Guilty Gear is pretty good at, the Oki stuff. But I don't know, man. I think I'd take the Persona probably in, in that. I feel like Persona is more like, it's more um, unpredictable as opposed to I've seen Blaze Blue's system and I've played it for the amount of time. It feels very predictable. Yeah, but Persona's I like more the variable. Of Persona. Yeah, mm. man. I'd be, I'd be down. Hey, I'd be down for Blaze Blue characters and a Persona system. I think the Persona characters would probably hold a bit of an advantage because they're built for that game. But yeah, that'd be dope. Yeah, man. That'd be cool if there was like a, an actual cross tag, but not like the cross tag we have now yeah. in an alternate reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're, we're experiencing the, the worst timeline. Somebody out there is right. in the best timeline, and they actually got the good Ooh. Blaze Blue cross-tag battle. <laughs> right. yeah. Somebody out there is playing, and they're like, oh, my God, I can play this game for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. And so I would assume Blaze Blue and Guilty Gear, you're choosing Guilty Gear system? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. The Guilty Gear system is more, it, like, it's the same kind of thing. It's, like, more predictable. The only thing I hate about the Guilty Gear system is, like, of course, the YRCs. And I would also say how Oki heavy is it? It's, the game is so Oki heavy. Like, yeah. I don't know why that's a thing, but it's such a heavy emphasis on Oki. Would you keep Danger Time? Hell no, man. That's <laughs> I hate Danger Time, man. I hate all that random crap, man. Like, no way, man. Hellfire, Danger Time. <laughs> all right. Last question of the week. Azazel, the Closet Tryhard, who's also... Or waifu watch on discord right <laughs> yes if you were given the option to revive one canceled game what would it be and why does the game deserve a second chance yeah so i don't know too many canceled games i would say one of them right that like it's not canceled but it's somewhat dormant is tekken cross street fighter right we never got that we were supposed to get it in 2015 i think right like yeah we never yeah. got it and not, I don't really want that game, to be honest, but like it would be interesting to see what it came up with. I would be okay with if there was like a Tekken Cross Street Fighter, but with the same relationship that Street Fighter Cross Tekken had with Ultra Street Fighter 4. Ultra Street Fighter 4 is the main game, but Street Fighter Cross Tekken is also there. If I had a Tekken 8, I wouldn't mind if I had a Tekken Cross Street Fighter. So he said game, so I will take that as a open letter to anything in the general. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, so I will say two, actually, so... Darkstalkers is definitely the one fighting game-wise that I would love for it to have another game mm -hmm. available. Like, damn, that, that thing needs something new, man. It it was a good-ass game. And I think for a normal game, it's probably the Paper Mario series. So, like, I know it still makes games, but I don't like any of them. So <laughs> <laughs> I would like it for the, the games, the Paper Mario series, to be, like, the first two games. And it was, like, just like the first two. Mm -hmm. 
at least very much more similar compared to like the newer ones because the newer ones are like I don't like them at all. They're not even like a RPG anymore. They're like their own thing. They're canceled to you. They're not actually canceled. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> yeah they don't exist, man. They don't even exist. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we got shout out of Wait. the week. Oh yeah, go ahead. I have the third, the twelve. I was about to say the third, the twelve question. So I had this question in my head. And I think I actually typed it up somewhere, but I don't remember. Mm-hmm. What do you think makes a game like Melty Blood still be played today? Weebs. <laughs> and there we go. Shout out to <laughs> <Yeah>. Weebs. <laughs> no, I'll be honest with you. I thought it was Weebs before I played Melty Blood. I was just like, what's the appeal here? Is it because it, it's based off of the visual novel, like the Tsukihime series? And is that why people really like it? And it's got very like nostalgic feel to it. But then you play the game. And if we're comparing apples to apples, I'm going to say this. I don't know if this is a hot take. Melty Blood is, gameplay-wise, is a more intricate game. In my opinion, more complete game. And I don't know how old that game is. It's, what, like 20 years old now? Ooh, man, let me, let me see that right <laughs> quick, man. In my opinion, Melty Blood is a more complete game than Dragon Ball Fighters, which <laughs> which tells you a lot. Like I think that game has so much depth for as old as it is and as intricate as it is, and it's innovative. The, that's the crazy part about a fighting game that is based off of a visual novel that is I, it doesn't even have a real reason to become a fighting game. It's Yo, real, the man. innovation of that game is stellar. It's it, uh, it's awesome. The Run, it says on Wiki, it says it originally released in 2002 and then it had a like a run for like to like uh, August 2011 or something. Yeah, like. so the Steam Probably. or yeah, I think the yeah. PC version came out in 2011, but the Steam version came out in 2016. And, yeah, but 2002, so 18 years. And obviously, that game got innovated on because it has like uh, Melty Blood Actress again, nice current actress. code. Yeah. And, yeah, so but I mean, still that, that game. Both offensively and defensively, in my opinion, it offers way more. And obviously, one's a tag game, one's not. But it offers way more intricacy than a game like Dragon Ball Fighters, which came out in 2018. So that tells you a lot. And I think the reason why people stick with it is because the concept is somewhat simple, but it has depth. And you you stay for the depth, right? You you come for yep. the waifu, you stay for the depth. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I would also say that I think one of the reasons why people stick to games like that, well, I guess in Melty's case, is the fact that you can always play it anywhere, goddammit. Mm-hmm. You can just pop it in your Like, dude, you can take that thing. There's a whole joke about those dudes playing in stalls and Denny's, yeah. but at least they play. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That, man, that's, <laughs> that's the right way to do accessibility. That's the real accessibility right there. Yeah, seriously, dude. Being able to play it on any console or like any computer, any Pop-Tart-ass computer, because Skullgirls <laughs> is kind of in that situation where like you can play that game like anywhere, man. Mm-hmm. But I think that definitely helps it. It also helps the longevity of the game when they cared so deeply in the game where it was just so deep in a good way. Like that's taking depth to a good way so that years later, people still finding new things out. That's really cool, man. I'm pretty sure that I saw a video somewhere of a dude taking like a paper plate, putting some water in it and dish, <laughs> and, and, and dish soap and then putting a potato and then plugging, <laughs> plugging his PC to the potato and it powered on <laughs> and he was playing Bruh, Melty Blood on it. <laughs> you have to post that in for I got to find it. Day. I got to find it. That's good, man. Dang, you can run it legit on a potato, man. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Uh, damn. So yeah, 
that's the real accessibility for sure. All right, we're winding down. Last thing we have for FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast, a shout out of the week. Shout outs to Serial Killers, an in-development 2D fighting game inspired by Marvel vs. Capcom featuring Serial Mascots. The game announced on Twitter that it will be launched or it will launch its Indiegogo campaign on October 15th and that more info regarding the game will come following that date. We don't have like a trailer or anything or gameplay because it's still in development, but I don't know if you saw that little picture that they posted of like, they're all different versions of like Tony the Tiger and the Lucky Charms guy (laughs) and like all these serial mascots. It's pretty funny. But yes, that is all we have for this week. It's a prolonged episode of FGC Hollywood, a fighting game podcast. Featuring Maple Story. Yes, Maple Story. (laughs) I mean, yeah, we talked about, there was a block there for about 40 minutes, I think, that we talked about Maple Story. (laughs) I don't regret any of it. <laughs> not at all, dude. Not at all. That's, yeah. That When you know, like, I'm not only passionate about fighting games, but, like, that was, like, the OG passion, man. Like, that was that was the real deal. So, yeah. I appreciate Pringle, you com- coming on. Obviously, we had to schedule this a little early because I won't be. Oh, yeah. That's actually what I want to say. So, I don't know what's going to happen next week with the scheduling. Mm-hmm. If I come back late next week, uh, we might have to push the podcast back just because... You know, it takes me a couple days to get the show notes ready. Yeah. So we'll see. Obviously, we'll play it by ear when I come back, and we'll see what your schedule looks like. So hopefully nobody gets mad at us for maybe pushing the podcast, <laughs> you know, a little <laughs> later <laughs> next week. We got to play real life, man. Yes, exactly. We got to we gotta be like um, Dario Spina, where he was asking, how do you balance all these things? I don't know. You got <laughs> to gotta play it by ear, buddy. You gotta play, yeah, yeah. You got to play it by ear, right? Yes. So I got to go do the thing with the family and then we'll figure out everything else when I come back. But yeah, do you have anything else left for? One last thing, man. Mm-hmm. I got to say it, man. I know we mentioned it, but Maple Story is a true fighting game. <laughs> <laughs> it it's, a, it's a fighting game, man. I'm telling you, man. Do they even have a class that kind of has like fighting game inputs? I just want to put that out. Oh, there. really? Yeah. When was this? Yeah, yeah. It's not that fun, though. It's called Aryan. It's the one with the pole arm. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. That do- that one does moves based off like inputs. Mm, that's sick. I remember they yeah, added yeah. both of them together. It was like Evan and Aaron, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evan's not as fun, so, but that's Aaron a dragon one, like, I think. cooler for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. What, who, uh, quick question before we get out of here. Well, what class <laughs> uh, did you play in MapleStory? I'd say if we go back to the OG MapleStory, yeah, I played Assassin. Oh, uh, nice. I tried playing the assassin, but I really wanted to get into like the bandit. But oh, everybody dude. was like, "Just do the assassin." See, I was on the other side. I I love playing underdog characters, so this is what I did. Everybody told me, "Oh, if you're making a mage, it has to be either ice lightning or a cleric. Nobody cares no. about fire poison. Don't make that shit. It's garbage." <laughs> you. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, word." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, word." Check this out. I go fire poison. <laughs> Listen, fire poison Dude. was an uphill climb. I don't tell you what, it's tough. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> nobody talked about fire poison. Nobody. They was like, why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> no, and nobody oh, would party man. with you because everybody wants a cleric. And I, yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, I thought you were a cleric. Yeah. You know how hard that, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, you know how bad that is when somebody invites you to the house and you're like, oh, I thought you were someone else. They see your little Get jester out, hat and you're like, oh, I thought you were a cleric. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, come on, man. man. Right click on my name first before you invite me to the party. But oh, the, so I, uh, I picked the, fire right. poison. 
And then everybody said, dude, make an assassin. They're so much better. And I was like, oh, word, check this out. I made a bandit. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> dude, that's what I should have done, man. Ban- it's so much more fun that way. Oh, yeah. Man. Always doing things based on what they tell you. Man, don't do it that way. Do it your way. And bandit was also an uphill climb because. Yeah, it, man, he was. <laughs> but you know that one skill he had. What's the one where you could get, you could hit? Up to, explosion. Yeah, that one too. But like the, the second job skill where you could hit up to six times. That was super sick. Oh, uh, Savage Blow. Oh, dude, I love that one. <laughs> that was so good. Yeah, cool. man. I, yeah, that was a really cool one. Because like the thing with the assassins that was was unfun is that they just keep getting like boost to their like double star move. Lucky yeah. Seven or whatever I think. Yeah, Lucky called. Seven. So all it is. Yeah, so all it does is that you get more job advances, and all you do is add another line yeah. to that same as. Now it's four like stars. Bandits now it's one. six stars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So bandits had a lot more varied, cooler things. Yeah, and I was sad they when they they took away the assaulter skill. You know, the teleport skill with the slash. Yeah, away yeah, from yeah. the bandit. That was that was a sad day for yeah, Maple Story bandits. But yeah, that's all we got for FTC Hollywood Fighting Game Podcast. Pringle, I appreciate you joining me as you do each and every week. Thanks, man. Appreciate you coming. And yeah, appreciate everybody for listening. So until next week, you all know what to do. Keep it classy and we'll see you later. Peace. Peace.